the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 reasons to return to Nova in 2024. I'm your co-host, Davey, and with me, I have Phil. How are you, Phil? Hey, I'm doing all right. And Skylar. What's going on, Skylar? I'm finally feeling uh, like... I'm back into the groove after like the post-convention wear out has, has, has gone through its paces. All right. Um, human, human once again. <laughs> uh, or, or close enough to uh, pass. So, Agreed. uh, and then a new voice for us, Bobby, uh, welcome to the podcast, Bobby. How are you? Hey, thanks. I'm doing pretty good. All right. That'll be a voice familiar to some folks that were out at Nova this year. Cause, uh, Bobby was there. Bobby, we've mentioned him a couple times. He, I think one, the first local event that uh, he took part in, we'll let him talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Uh, but we are talking to you, as you can imagine, about uh, wrap up from Nova. That's where we sent uh, Brian and Skyler with uh, Bobby repping the Madison contingent as well. For context, uh, we're actually recording on September 11th. So we are post Nova and uh, post uh, updates to the, the, Fact and far and all that sort of thing and then uh guys death gorge got revealed uh <laughs> you uh you know even more about it than than we do skylar i guess you know uh, you're you uh you had a little extra insight to it yeah i got you know like an hour and a half heads up on it and uh <laughs> let me tell you it's death gorgeous I, wow what an original joke i have not heard before <laughs> no absolutely not uh yeah uh i think you were telling me that uh they couldn't quite have designed a better starter box for you and brian to be hyped about yeah uh going to our first nova uh being able to sit down in the Nova preview and, you know, having all these guesses as to what we think the box is going to be at this point. Um, I've decided to like put all my money and confidence down on where it's going to be death and destruction because we've mm-hmm. never seen that before. Um, you know, aside from the fact that in destruction, uh, Warband is on the roadmap. I'm like, what about second destruction? Let's go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I wanted to see uh, like the werewolf vampires. You'd have to help me out with the, um, like Age of Sigmar um, faction. Is it the Strigoi or something like that? Yes. Um, I think so. I was thinking that might fit, fit really well. Warly people would know, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, right. Those guys. Yeah. If uh, oh. if only we were part of a narrative podcast network that was able mm. to answer this sort of question. Mm. If only. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, it was it was something special being in the room. I lost my voice uh, momentarily there. I was uh, had my fist in the air and I was just so excited i nothing could have prepared me for seeing idaneth and slanesh uh mm. show up on the screen with brian and i sitting there you know in person <laughs> that it was unbelievable and yeah. uh i am so hyped for the warband siren eyes uh razors and uh, i think siren eye is the pronunciation um we could yeah, i could be wrong uh, but i feel like it's a play on siren um because mm. uh they often love to do plays on plays on names yeah it's true they're also really bad about like using <laughs> foreign languages that then they change to use english pronunciation for so it's like <laughs> who knows yeah who knows uh i from my perspective i just really like uh like what they're doing with i mean they're, they're doing that thing that they do so well with underworlds which is here's some like really 
cool, weird, out there models. Like that gives them the chance to experiment in a way that they don't necessarily get to do in some of their other ranges um, on on a scale that's really appealing to me. So that that thricefold Discord is real weird, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're gonna move it along because we we got a fair amount to cover here. We are we're we we like to try to put community up front. So let's uh, let's start with community shoutouts. Uh, Skyler, why don't you hit us? Yeah, I wanted to kick off shoutouts here with the Battle Mallet podcast, and the reason I wanted to highlight them is this is their marquee event. Uh, their podcast is built on a mission statement of three dads uh, that um, have this year long journey to get to Nova. Uh, and Underworlds is the main event that they look forward to every year, the Grand Clash. So uh, going, uh, we got to meet up with Battle Mallet. They gave us an insanely warm welcome and really, truly elevated uh, our experience at Nova, as well as that of many other people that they interacted with. They are gems of human beings, and they love this community and this game so much. Uh, definitely give their post Nova episode a listen to, uh, it's, it's the big one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was, it's at least two and a half hours. I think it's like three or something. It's definitely more than three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I remember looking down at, uh, how long I had left and I saw, I still had two hours at one point and I was like, all right. <laughs> um, and they've also gone ahead and updated their nemesis library, which is mm. something that's becoming, uh, synonymous, uh, with the battle mallet. The community is really starting to know that they have this resource that they keep uh, and maintain this resource, improve it, make sure that decks get added to it. And here they made an improvement. Uh, they've added a tournament decks filter with four tournaments that you can already take a look at from Adepticon earlier this year, uh, all the way to Nova. Um, so you can just click on which tournament you'd be interested in seeing the deck listings for. And for Nova specifically, they've got the top 10 decks there. So uh, check out their episode. Uh, as they lovingly break down uh, their annual event and check out their the tournament decks filter on their Nemesis library. Yeah, I uh, just finished that episode earlier this morning. Uh, really enjoyed it and uh, can also recommend it if you want a broader look at Nova as a whole. And then also uh, we just kind of, we breezed over Death Gorge, but they kind of do a, uh, a breakdown of what, what information was able to be gleaned from from the video as far as there was some some cards got enough uh, time hovered over them that they were able to to pull a little bit of information about some some characteristics on some of the fighters and that sort of thing. And listeners, uh, be prepared. I don't know if Brian and I will play anything but after this box <laughs> drops. <laughs> well, we'll see how the warbands fare. Uh... <laughs> This, this might be one of those cases where uh, you have such strong feelings that you can't you, like you can't help it like mm. <laughs> for better or for worse you're playing them well if if it's like Ephilim where Brian really wanted to play them uh, it may feel <laughs> <laughs> just well we'll see we'll see we'll see time will tell sure uh, we also want to mention uh, the next big US event there, there is actually the Tampa open. I think uh, there's there's some stuff going on yeah. there later this year. Don't have a lot of visibility on that, 
Uh, our next one on our radar is LVO. We have quite a contingent. Bobby, you were going to that, right? Correct. Yeah. Are are you? Uh, your intent is probably to play in the Clash there. I'd assume. Absolutely. Yeah. Both the Rivals event and the Clash. I will oh, be wow. partaking in. Yeah. Cool. Any other things on your radar there, or are you an Underworlds and and Hang sort of guy? I'm a one trick Underworlds player. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just cool. the way we like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that'll be the uh, January, I think, nineteenth and twentieth. I want to say is the uh, is the Friday, Saturday, and that would be the Grand Clash um, for folks who are thinking about putting it on the calendar. But uh, we'd uh, we'd love to have some of the crew meet you if you can make it. Any other community shoutouts we want to hit before we move on? I think that's probably good. We're going to keep this next one a little bit uh, quick. This is what the heck is going on with you. This is where we usually break down what we've been up to. Uh, Skylar and Bobby are going to really kind of tell you a lot about that uh, in, a, in a moment here. Uh, for, for myself, I was uh, part of an epic rat battle um, with, uh, with Emmett. We, we played a game for League, uh, which, I, which I had a real fun time with he wanted to do he's been wanting to do this since the plague pack came out he wanted to do a claw pack versus plague pack uh battle so uh it went right down to the wire 15 15 tied with the objective tiebreaker and one power card played slightly later would have would have swung it the other way so mm. good and i was I, I literally played 100 all out pulling no punches and uh just barely got out of there so excellent yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, you got to be proud, right? He's he's yeah. really learning the game well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been cool. Phil, what you been up to? I've been back on stalkers. I uh, decided it's time. Pa- I have paths of prophecy in hand now, and uh, so the deck that I built—I don't know how long ago that was now. When we got the preview copy, I'm finally putting on the table, and yeah. uh, it's been. It's been cool to see so far um some of the cards in that deck are super greedy so i'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure they stay in long term but like i mean i i love everything about how that deck plays and with the warband and i'm super excited to keep repping it yeah you can uh, compare notes with Emmett because he's been running that same same way. Yeah, that you well, built. it sounds like he's been doing better than me. So, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he did have uh, league night. He scored uh, what's the uh, uh, complete harmony in round one, which uh, unlocked the great plan in round two. It's like, oh boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Phil. We love to hear. It. Oh yeah. By the way, yeah, I was gonna score it round one, and then I I got uh, spine fin toxin to make it <laughs> no. so that I couldn't hold an objective, which I completely Oof. forgot that card even did. Um, was it? Oh, were you doing it the uh, the math way, adding up to sixteen? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, well, just flip that one, uh, but. No, yeah, no. He, <laughs> he came in with uh, one angry dinosaur, killed a crab instantly, and then, fl- like in the power step, flipped one of the tokens in my territory, and then used uh, Slinkin in there to jump onto the other one. Oh, and man. I was like, ah, like that was one activation <laughs> in the game that I was like, what am I going to do? He just came and did a murder in lockdown number five. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, oh wait a minute, I have spine fin toxin in hand." All right, leaving you here. Bye. 
<laughs> Laters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a rude, it's a rude, rude poison there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk more about rude poisons in a bit. Skylar, you have anything you want to add before we hit the main topic? Uh, yeah, I am scheduling our Madtown Throwdown, uh, so just be on the lookout for that. Uh, by the time you hear from us next, you will have a date locked, um, so probably targeting uh, late October, early November, just uh, making sure that dates are available uh, that I'm going to be proposing, as well as making sure I can get uh, another set of the Grand Alliance um, tokens uh, that will be prize support for, for best uh, in Grand Alliance uh, all made up. Um, so, uh, and for this next tournament, we're also going to be using the Italian glory differential system, uh, going to be giving that a a try. So real quick, if you're not familiar, uh, what that does and does really well is it limits, um, glory differential to a cap of seven. So you can only like, if if you score 15 plus over your opponent, you're going to be awarded seven. Um, and what that really does well is it makes it so that buys can be locked in at 14, uh, glory differential, and um, if you concede a game, um, you're handing your opponent a total of seven glory for that concession, and you're able to then uh, get on with your next game and and hopefully uh, manage that timer. Uh, whether that's you know you're looking at uh, 105 minute rounds or 120 minute rounds, um, that should help you get that round three uh, in. And uh, we're gonna give it a shot. I think uh, it's really clever. I think it's an elegant way to solve a, a couple different um, pressure points. Uh, that exist today. Yeah. Uh, Battle Mallet also on their episode kind of discusses uh, some possible solutions or, or ways forward for that. Um, and and uh, I don't I don't think they quite figure out. Uh, they're like, it's from Spain or Italy or something. I'm like, oh, you guys are close. You're almost there. Uh, <laughs> they, they talk about it a little bit too. Um, well, that leaves uh, Bobby. Bobby, uh, for people to catch up with you, they've, they've never heard from you. So... Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be, uh, what was it? Your, your, was it one trick pony? What was your, your, uh, uh, wording for LVO? Your, uh, oh, one trick underworlds player for sure. One trick under, how did you come to be a one trick underworlds player? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, mobile night games is super local to me. Uh, my wife and I shop there a lot. So we mm-hmm. just happened to be there on a Thursday night when you guys were playing. And I know Skylar cause we're actually coworkers. Uh, and I seen him play in the game and he's like, oh, hey, come take a look. Come take a look. Because he's been talking about it at work a bunch. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'll, I'll sneak a peek. I have some sure. time. So I stopped by, took a look. Uh, looked real fun. I wasn't 100% sold at first. Uh, but the more research I did, I definitely wanted to give it a try. So I, I think the next week I picked up the Narwhal starter box and just went on from there. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so really uh really pretty recent to the game but uh, already played in local events and then uh you've played in more nova than phil and i have so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a month uh, later from that box wins his first local nemesis yeah. tournament yeah, yeah that did happen <laughs> i wasn't like super sold on the warbands in the norwood box so i grabbed hexbanes and those were like the first one i really liked like mm. enjoyed the game with yeah uh, i think that was my first warband i really enjoyed and then i moved on uh jazz and alex shout out to those guys uh gifted me headcrackers and Wow. instantaneously like love that warband and that's who i ultimately brought to nova with me awesome quick aside here i think uh scott has got a little bit of uh housekeeping that he wants to take care of and then we'll we'll jump into that uh aforementioned nova 
Yeah, so the quick aside here is uh, our previous episode. I uh, have a few corrections, card uh, card corrections or rules corrections to tackle. Um, and um, as I jump into those, I just want to say uh, we are always striving to play errorless games and give our listeners accurate rules interactions. Uh, part of that is uh, taking a moment like this and highlighting when we get them wrong so that you can be as informed as possible in your games. Um, so... With that, I'm just going to run down a few, uh, well, the the total amount of uh, errors <laughs> that I'm aware of from our previous episode, which happened to be a few. Yeah. Um, so uh, one thing uh, was from our key interactions, and I wanted to preface this with sometimes when you uh, play the game uh, a ton, you kind of start summarizing things in your head. Um, I'm guilty of this. So you'll think to yourself, like, uh, this card ultimately does this, and you kind of boil it down to that key concept, uh, instead of, you know, the full verbose wording, um, and you kind of miss things. This is a good way to forget, like, that a hybrid has uh, an additional condition, or a gambit that has a little bit of flexibility, but you always use it for that first mode, not for that second, stuff like that. Um, so in our key interactions, I mentioned that Spinefin um, is my favorite valid void cursed target. Um, and I kind of talk about how I need to be conscious of singular reshaping uh, coming out. And, you know, if he the fish is dead when he, I'm handed that, then I won't have my favorite valid target. Singular reshaping being the upgrade that uh, a void cursed player can choose to hand to their opponent and say, hey, put this on one of your fighters. Yep, exactly. And... Uh, this kind of comes from boiling, boiling it down. Uh, I had tried to make soul raid work for a minute, uh, with, um, void curse thralls and I haven't stopped by the way, but I did put it on pause. So I got used to, uh, void curse in spine fin and him being a valid target for that, but he's not a valid target for singular reshaping. And the reason for this is, um, mm. he cannot be given upgrades. Yep. Um, and this mm. is two cards you know, uh, that are coming into question against each other. And if a card says can, and the rule book says cannot, the card will win. A card can break the rules, right? But when two cards come against each other and one of them says cannot, the one that says cannot wins. And that here would be Spinefin cannot be given upgrades. Um, But that does create an, uh, an interesting key interaction for your... Uh, pairing of Elethane Soul Raid versus a Void Curse Thrall Warband. Uh, and that is because that means you don't have to worry about singular reshaping going on the fish, which means you have like an easy avenue to prevent reshaped realm with the fish. Um, Ooh. And we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other uh, corrections I just want to make real briefly here. Uh, Surging Tide, I mentioned that it's only scorable in rounds one and three. Another moment of being guilty of boiling a card down. I'm so used to uh, when I used to play the Soul Raid, we didn't have move twice available to us, uh, mm. but they mm-hmm. had move right. and charge available <laughs> to them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, with those new rules, being able to move twice, you can actually score this card in rounds two, in round two now, um, which is really great. Oh, and that singular reshaping uh, call-out regarding uh, Spinefin. Uh, credit to G, uh, listener G, uh, his Discord handle. Um, that goes to him. Uh, Surging Tide, that was a self-catch when I was re-listening to the episode. I was like, ooh, I should clarify that. Um, next up, Dual Contamination. 
Uh, credit here goes to uh, Anders and Lathanim uh, for catching it, discussing it. Uh, thankfully, this is something that I also caught going into the tournament. Uh, with that in mind, I want to say if you're ever going into a tournament, to kind of avoid this problem of like boiling things down and kind of having just this key memory of what things do, go ahead and give your deck, uh, it's a good idea anyways, to give your deck a reread uh, going into event just to make sure that um, nothing catches you by surprise on the wording. I, um, I, I can say uh, my version of that was uh, not even not even before, it was like part of the way through last year, part of the way through, uh, or I mean this year at Adepticon, uh, I was looking at the uh, Cunning Crew cards, and I was like, "Wait, they have a secondary Inspire condition? Like, what? It's it's not just <laughs> supported uh, supported an attack. It, it they also Inspire. I think if uh, three fighters are dead from the other warband, you're kidding me. <laughs> Do they really? Because <laughs> uh, there's this thing where I was like, God, I really want to get these Inspired, but I don't know how I'm gonna." Whoa, hold on. <laughs> what is going whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's that's bananas. Wow. Yeah, no it, it's, actually the, it's actually the the first thing listed on their card for the inspires. Three or more enemy fighters are out of action. <laughs> like, huh. huh. So yeah. Yep. It's uh sitting it's written five times in front of me every time I play them, but uh <laughs> Yep. Had, had lost track of it. So. <laughs> there you go. Totally fine. Anyway, uh, uh, so the the next correction up is that dual contamination uh, from uh, again caught by Anders and Lathanum. Uh, there is a wording difference between capable poisoners and dual contamination that we felt. Um, was an intentional distinction. Um, this is on capable poisoners. It mentions two or more surviving friendly fighters, whereas on dual contamination, it forgoes the word surviving. It actually says two or more friendly fighters. And both of these uh, say each have one or more poison upgrades. So it's like, okay, what's the difference between these two conditions? Ooh, this one's looking for survivors. This one's not. Uh, interesting. They can be dead from dual contamination. Uh, that is incorrect. Uh, unfortunately, I practiced this wrong quite a bit, and we didn't catch it before recording the episode. Uh, the rule that prohibits that sort of scoring is in the Weird Hollow errata, and it was first introduced in the Narwood errata back in October of 22. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what that is, is a fighter that is out of action, including that fighter's upgrades, is not counted for the purposes of scoring an objective unless that objective specifically says otherwise. Thankfully, uh, dual contamination is a hybrid uh, and still offers flexibility in the list I landed on with its hybrid scoring capabilities. Um, so um, I don't believe um, I, because I, I, I caught this going into the event, I don't believe. Uh, there's any instances uh, or moments where I then kind of revert back onto that practice and think that I can score this um, off of dead fighters. Um, I kind of end up having to lean into that flexibility more in the event um, because you can also score it off of two persisting poison gambits. Um, but yes, dual contamination cannot be scored off of dead fighters. Um, and then final correction here, uh, and this is a fun one. Uh, I think everybody can chime in and agree. Um, is a correction on salvage. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in the episode where uh, Davy and I spent a power step salvaging back and forth. Turns out only one of us could have been salvaging in that moment. 
and this is credit to Baconborn. Uh, we played in person at Nova for fun, uh, actually for the Vassal League. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> oh man, in person Vassal League. When does that happen? I know. <laughs> It was pretty special. Uh, we you played... guys both have laptops set up across from each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was one of those things, too, where we're, we're both going to a Nemesis tournament. And I was like, do you want to play Nemesis uh, for this? Like, I, I'll play either. And he's like, I'd prefer championship. And I was like, OK. I was like, crap. I don't have one thrown together. <laughs> so I grabbed uh, Miari's purifiers. And by the time we sat down at the table, uh, both of our lists had seen restrictions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but... Uh, uh, we, we had a fun match and, and during it, I tried to salvage a power card during, um, his power step. So going into my turn, right. Uh, it turns out the rule book actually specifies that this can only be done in your power step. Really easy to miss. Uh, in the salvage section, it says, if you have a restricted power card in your hand and each of the fighters, uh, that power card is restricted to is out of action on your turn in the power step you can discard that power card and draw one power card. Um, so <laughs> blew my mind uh, when he informed me of this. Uh, thankfully, he had similar feelings. Uh, his mind was blown when he had learned this uh, from, from someone else. Um, so I think there's there's probably many listeners out there who, who kind of missed uh, that salvage was limited to their own power steps. And I, I like that a lot because it means you can't, um, fuel up going into your turn. Mm. Uh, it's got some interesting nuances to it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are uh, our brief corrections. Uh, brief, brief, brief indeed. Was <laughs> there the SNL skit for all the, uh, all of the fact checks that they had to do for the Fox news? <laughs> oh yeah. It just flies <laughs> up the screen. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Nova, let's get into it. We should say that we mentioned the possibility of a, a lead-up episode. Uh, that's something that didn't really come together. Uh, there's some technical difficulties there. Uh, that was always going to kind of be a uh, extra on the side or possibly a patron only. Uh, it it does not. Well, I was going to say it does not exist. It exists in like very raw and it, difficult to put together <laughs> format. So it's in our vault of yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Content that will see not see the light of day. Keep it secret, keep it safe. Uh it will uh but we are we are still kind of kicking around ideas on ways to get a little extra out on the side here and there. So the uh the concept is not dead, just that one particular effort. Uh but if that episode did see the light of day, we would have talked to Brian, Bobby, and Skylar about your deck choices. So I'm gonna go with Skylar first. Tell me what faction you picked why you picked it, what'd you pair it with and why, and then uh, get into maybe some matchups that you feel comfortable with or that you're worried about, or just that you were like, I, I have no idea how this is going to go, but I'm, I'm concerned. Absolutely. So uh, as listeners of episode uh, 113 might already know, I bring the soul raid. Um, and the reason I bring the soul raid is because, well, first, Part of me wanted a second go at head crackers, fork crackers, and a grand clash. Uh, that is what I bring to Adepticon 2023. Um, and I've been standing firmly atop the hill that I planted a flag into, uh, proclaiming that it is the best pairing uh, that being <laughs> Fearsome Fortress and Mad Mob for the Mad Mob. 
uh, and yet I back away from it from this event. So uh, standing here proudly, <laughs> continuing to not prove it. <laughs> uh, and, and the reason um, I end up foregoing uh, Mad Mob here is because I tested uh, them against uh, FLM's Pandemonium because I really did have this drive to be like, oh, I, I really I want to bring them. I, I want to see how much how much higher I can I can bring them because I took uh, fifth fifth I believe yes uh, at at Adepticon 2023 and I'm like, can I can I get fourth third you know <laughs> higher? We'll yeah. see. Um, but uh, testing against FLM's uh, Pandemonium multiple times, uh, I struggled. I really struggled there. Um, there's a, uh, quote that I'm going to butcher, I'm sure from, uh, the battle mallet podcast, the one that uh, I announced earlier, uh, where Trace says something along the lines of what, what he's seen in his testing against Aflum is that if you miss two key attacks against her, that's all you get. Um, and that is so true to what I kept encountering in my testing, um, is it took, you know, everything I had to break through those lines, you know, the tricks or the, or the activations that I'm surviving to get in and actually take a shot, uh, at Athlum. And if I missed those key attacks, I'm just left to, um, absolutely get annihilated by her, you know, uh, the surrounding crew that I've been trying to work through on my way, um, or, or run past. Um, so, um, I was like, all right, what can I bring to mess with Ephilim? And I settled on uh, soul raid because, um, of control elements, as well as this dream hand, uh, that can take down the queen of the format. Um, <laughs> The queen of nemesis uh there so if i have in hand an easy search to get myself one glory or somebody within reach that i can just kill real quick and i've got spine fin toxin in hand and hunter of souls in hand hunters of so spine fin toxin being the one damage but also denying the ability to be on guard to do ranged attacks so that's really you know hard uh for a hard pill for ethylene to swallow hey no more ranged attacks for you mm. also you can't hold objectives. So it's got this, you know, built-in uh, control card with Spinefin Toxin. And the fact that Spinefin can put a foot in the door without worry, like, hi, I'm here. I don't give up glory. Uh, are you, are you going to spend time dealing with me? I mean, <laughs> we'll see. But if I have Spinefin Toxin in hand, and I can get that off on Ephilim. And then I can uh, use Hunter of Souls, which is plus one damage, no range restrictions if I'm putting an attack into a target that's already damaged and I run Tamiel out, I've yeah. got a threat range of seven, yeah. three damage. And if I can do this all before she gets a chance to pull that, like when I'm damaged, I, I heal card out, I can mm -hmm. take her down. Um, <laughs> and, and like an easy surge could help make that happen. Shifting currents could help make that fa happen even faster. It's like, oh, the fish is going to spawn right here. Oh, shoot. Why is the fish coming in there? Spinefin toxins coming. So, I, I had this dream hand uh, that I would potentially uh, hope to see. Like it was, it was one of my stretch goals of the event of bringing it. it was like I hope I play Ephilim and I hope I see this hand. Mm. Um, I don't see Ephilim, <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> so going into the event, uh, one of the other things uh, I thought they had to their advantage is um, the, just the ability to resurrect Tamil, right? So I can mm -hmm. get this fighter in and start being aggressive and trying to target and mess with their key fighters. And if he dies, he dies. 
I will try to bring him back. Between him and the fish, you know, being able to just have free reign in their environment, I thought that that might be enough to kind of be my delivery system for this control idea. Because I believe Soul Raid is control aggro. I also acknowledge they are absolutely invading aggro. Um, but I think the fact that they're this control aggro is more interesting uh, than, than that they are invading aggro. So that's what I'm bringing. And what I'm pairing them with is toxic terrors, uh, thus terrorfish. Yeah. Uh, thank you, David. <laughs> uh, and the reason I pair them with toxic terrors is because ultimately this objective cohesion is first and foremost there. Uh, we have six objectives that are looking for positional movement. Uh, we have three, which, which like I strongly value objectives that can like really just work off of that positioning. So being able to say that six of my 12 uh, dealt with positioning and movement, like that is going to help me survive those moments where I can't make my attacks land. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got three poison objectives uh, and three aggro objectives. And there's a little bit of crossover overlap between um, these categories here, but those are kind of the three categories in the breakdown that I get from um, combining these decks and, and ending on the list I did. So it has this enemy territory plan where I've got synergy between speed of the flood tide, which is getting three in their territory, as well as taking advantage, which is by far my favorite objective that I ran this entire event. I think it's my favorite objective uh, from like the universal offerings for Soul Raid in general. Uh, and taking advantage says that I just need to have as many fighters in enemy territory as they do to score this surge, but it's worth an additional glory if I get it in round one. And so this can be a two glory surge real fast um, with the tricks that you have to move people over the line. And it's a really fun puzzle of like, okay, so they've got you know, more than I do in their territory. How can I change that? Uh, and the fact that a lot of people are going to be rushing no one's territory or into your territory to try to get kills will pull people out of that equation. So it's just a really fun card to play with because um, you could be like running at, at somebody just over the line with Tamiel so that you can get Tamiel in and then like pull them out or, you know, run somebody in and get, get the kill. And all of a sudden you've, you know, uh, done a swing of the numbers, you know, you're one down, I'm one up um, yeah. and you're scoring that taking advantage. So, Really, really fun card for them. Toxic Terrorist also has Carve a Path, another way to get two glory off of a Surge, and you have a leader that has a range three attack and a range one attack. Um, Lurk and Wait is a card that scores just off the fish existing in enemy mm -hmm. territory. Um, so that's really fun. And then uh, the last kind of objective I want to talk about is Dead or Doomed. And this works really well here too because you're able to bring a lot of tools to kind of guarantee... Um, your adjacency, uh, which is a three-point objective. Um, so you're able to bring Keep the Forest at Bay, No Safe Ground, Shifting Currents, and even Wicked Hunter, an upgrade that's going to let you push every time you play a poison. And we're going to play six poisons. Um, so there's a lot that just kind of comes together and makes this deck sing against its objectives and a lot of objective cohesion uh, in the pairing. You have a magnificent suite of control tools that I, I won't fully break down here just because I don't want to talk too long, but uh, you've got Cloud of Midnights uh, and Shifting Currents, uh, which I will mention real quick is probably their best card uh, in at Nova, uh, at the very least. I, I would say like in Nemesis right now, 
as stands is their best card. And that's because um, Plague Pack are really popular. You can pull Mm -hmm. uh, that one out of enemy territory, or sorry, no one's territory, that one objective that they'll probably have there trying to um, get their Inspire off, get their Corruption off on. Uh, It can help mess with Fearsome Fortress. It can help you with objective stealing. You run somebody in, you hit them off and it's like oh i don't have a push on but i've got shifting currents i'll bring that right underneath uh, my aggressor um and it brings the fish in instantly you know if if you don't need the objective support then you get fish delivery system support right in the suite you've got two in-house uh poisons that you can bring that are both great there's a terranite venom uh poison that kind of gets overlooked uh, most of the time for the soul raid, but here when you're doing this pairing, it's it sings because um, it's a long-lasting stagger. Um, but most importantly, it has your poison keyword. And then I bring four other quality poisons. So I'm I've got that six poisons in gambits, and then I've got six poisons in upgrades and venom bite weapon to help me cycle through some of those those ploys. Uh, that are poisons, so that's kind of that's kind of the pairing. I think the only other thing that I, I'm not mentioning is the damage boost, which was also part of the consideration. Uh, Toxic terrors brings with it choking venom, which gives you a, uh, a grievous vehicle, you know, in ploy format. But what's really nice about that is that it persists if you miss the attack. Mm. Um, so if you don't have to charge into this choking venom shot and you miss, you can try again. So you have a chance to spike damage there. Uh, but in the upgrades, uh, not many pairings out there will offer you a universal plus one damage. And that's here with Callus. Mm. Um, so kind of a lot of reasons, I think, to really, really love this pairing. One thing I owe the listeners is uh, I mentioned that you would next hear about tweaks to the deck uh, from when you saw Davy and I facing off, you know, Plague Pack into, into this deck. Uh, so real briefly, Unseen Menace got cut and replaced by soul raiders and unseen menace got cut because i just kept finding it being way more difficult than you would expect like unseen I, menace being a uh, couple of idoneth within yes exactly within two yeah two two idoneth within two of the same uh target yeah uh, enemy fighter yeah and i found that if you don't get this round one, it is just so much harder than you think it's going to be. I really like this card in theory, but um, if you're down to just two Ideneth and they need to be elsewhere, you're just not scoring this, this one glory card. And and that can be really like crippling. It's like, I've got this one glory card. That's really tough. Like I, I need it gone. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So that uh, gets replaced with soul Raiders, which I mean, first off, it's called Soul Raiders. <laughs> it should have been in there. <laughs> uh, but what this ends up trading uh, in is just some reliability. Uh, it's a bit of a meta call. I just kind of thought in this meta, I can probably take down two fighters uh, over the course of the game. And Soul Raiders is just a end, uh, end phase check. Are there two enemies out of action? Is that it, what it is? Exactly. Yeah. Um, they have another card. I can't remember the name at the moment where it's um, like, did they kill two fighters in the same phase Oof, yeah. and that's Rough. too glory but it's you know <laughs> yeah you, that, that's a way to gamble some old uh, design there <laughs> yeah uh and then the only other tweak uh is i end up pulling sanguine pearl and putting in blighted aura and this is again a bit of a meta call so sanguine pearl will reduce incoming damage on an ideneth by one 
to a minimum of one, but it has to be adjacent um, damage that's incoming. And Blighted Aura offers you the same with some, uh, well, similar. Uh, so it's minus one damage to a minimum of one uh, from range one and range two attacks that are incoming. Um, however, they have to be incoming from somebody who's poisoned, which mm. makes it so, like, it's interesting. It's had a little more flexibility because it can help block range one and range two or help, you know, mitigate range one and range two instead of just adjacent attacks. But you also have to kind of see it coming uh, and get that poison down. And in practice, I kept getting countered with range two and range three attacks uh, mm. with popular warbands these days, with Plague Pack, with Ephilim, with... Uh, your uh, Stormcast uh, trio, right? And I was just like, gosh! Uh, <laughs> now, Blighted Aura doesn't help with all of those, but it helps with a lot of those. It does offer the poison keyword. And I, I ended up figuring out with kind of the passive end phase that, um, that I'm trying to rely on, I really needed that keyword boost there. So that, that's a pretty extensive breakdown of the deck. Before I uh, briefly cover like uh, some of the matchups I was concerned about going in, any any questions for me? No, I I, uh, I think we've had the opportunity to kind of uh, cover this in the previous bat rep. And then with these tweaks, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think, uh, I think it was a thing where I tried building something similar and was at a much earlier stage when I was just kind of messing around and hadn't quite uh, found the synergies that you had. So it was kind of cool to see it in action during, during some of your practice and be like, Oh, uh, this, this, uh, this potentially sings. That's pretty cool. Oh, I will say it took a lot of practice to make this (laughs) sing. (laughs) It was, uh, there's a lot of, uh, like theory and then practice and like figuring out how many of those poison keywords you needed and which ones you were bringing and all that. Um, and then like, even then getting used to like the idea of like having to get rid of hands simply because you need to be mindful of when the objectives are going to need those hands, uh, or vice versa. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you asked about, uh, matchups that I was comfortable with, worried about, and ones I wish I knew more about uh, going in. Mm-hmm. Matchups I was comfortable with uh, were elite warbands. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I'm an imposter here. I keep hearing elite warbands like as long as I've been listening to Underworld's content and been a part of Underworld's content. And yeah. is it three or four warbands or is it both? Do you mean like three fighter or four fighter warbands? Uh, sorry, yes. Yeah, uh, it's definitely three fighter. And then I think it applies to some four fighter. Like I don't yeah. think you would call... Uh, Dread Pageant, an elite warband, but you would probably call uh, Crimson Court an elite warband. Or Magor's Fiends, yeah. It's like one block, four wounds, standard sort of Stormcast-y stat block where you're like, okay, each fighter is really tough and is going to probably have to pull their weight because they don't have the numbers. Gotcha. Well... Uh, it works. Uh, it was three bands and four bands uh, yeah. that, that I was comfortable uh, going into uh, for the event, simply because uh, I have a lot of wiggle room uh, to get around them, get into their territory, uh, and I've got fewer numbers to manage towards like that taking advantage uh, card, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and, so I felt yeah. pretty comfortable having to try to like control a smaller amount of fighters with the poisons I had available because you're. You, the poisons are going further, right? It's like right. I, I'm putting it into one of your three or four targets. Exactly. Uh, if you it, tell one of their three fighters that they are suddenly, you know, can't make range three attacks or can't 
make a super action until they're damaged or, you know, whatever the case may be, then, or give them a move token right out of the gate, uh, which is actually, you know, uh, I saw that be pretty crippling when you're like, well, now I can't charge out because I'm stuck with a move token on me. Like, yeah, they, they don't have like as many backup plans as a, as a horde war band might. Yeah. I, I think so too. Um, so, so I'm comfortable going into those. I'm also comfortable with the mirror, uh, simply because I played a ton of uh, Soul Raid. I've had to play a ton of Soul Raid v Soul Raid, and I find that mirror to be a blast. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's less a comfortability thing and more of like a, if I if I come across it, I'm just gonna glow with glee. Uh, <laughs> just um, living it up over here. It doesn't happen, <laughs> but I do. I, I do love that mirror. I actually like a lot of mirrors in Underworlds. I think they're really fun. Um, but uh, as far as warbands, I'm worried about. I'm obviously worried about Ephlum. I've kind of you know hung up Mad Mob for this event uh, so that I have better tools to handle Ephlum. But I end up seeing very few practice rounds against Ephlum with this deck. Um, mm. uh, my practice rounds into Ephlum were with other decks. Um, I'm nervous about Void Curse Thralls. I need to be very careful um, about who I'm letting get um, Void Cursed um, because, especially early, uh, if you Void Curse, um, for example, Tamael, before I get a chance to really um, utilize that range three, I still have range two on him, so that feels mm-hmm. good. Um, but, I, but I love uh, the reach of that range three and I can feel it, uh, when it's gone. Yeah. And I, I also need to be very careful when I'm attacking refashioned prior or refashioned upgrade targets. Mm. Um, yeah. because if I try to do that at a range, um, I'm allowing them mm. to instantly outmaneuver myself. So I gotta be mindful of that. Um, I'm worried about, uh, sepulchral guard, um, because, I do not know if I'm going to be able to keep up with their ability to resurrect and push people into the right spots. And I kind of have a blind spot against Sepulchral Guard. haven't played against them as much as I'd like. Um, And I'm worried about Hexbane Hunters because um, that matchup can come down to like an absolute coin toss where it's like we're invading each other. We're throwing tons of accuracy at each other and we're just seeing who blows each other up first. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) um so i'm nervous about these these matchups and and the ones i wish i knew more about i kind of mentioned um sepulchral guard uh is a blind spot for me um but i think that they're popular and i think that they're really good um and i'm hoping that i'm going to be able to just get to the warden uh kind of with that same ephilim mindset um i have a blind spot for headsman's curse nobody in our local is really running them um i have you know the time that we spent reviewing them uh, behind me in deck building for them. So I have a, a vague idea of what they can pull off uh, in theory, but not in practice. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm nervous of like what they can potentially do to my game plan. Um, and I wish I knew more about them. Uh, and Seismic Shock in general. Uh, it's a de- I don't really play with magic. I don't really like magic. I'm, I'm the guy on the podcast who doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and therefore, I, I really haven't given this deck the time of day. And it has hoodwinked me before. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> hoping uh, I can read up a little bit more going in and the convention kind of takes me and, and I don't really uh, like study up uh, against seismic shock. So it continues to be a big old question mark over my head going into the event. All right. Anybody got any questions for Skylar before we move on to Bobby here? I don't think so. I, 
I, I think we we kind of knew a little bit more about what Skylar was going to be up to. Uh, so yeah, uh, Bobby, what uh, what did you decide to bring to your first Nova? Not just my first Nova, my first ever convention. I've never been to one. And it was actually a fantastic time. Awesome. Uh, definitely looking forward to going to more for sure. Uh, but with Nova this year, I decided to bring Headcrackers. Uh, I was on the fence between Drapers uh, and Headsman. Uh, I didn't have enough reps personally to really justify taking them, uh, which is why I fell back to Headcrackers because I play them a lot locally. Uh, I play them a lot on Vassal. Uh, kind of just really like the he- uh, Headcrackers. So that's that's where I went just for comfort. Um, I paired them with Fearsome Fortress. Uh, I think it's just such a strong pairing with them considering their push mechanic at the start of the game. My man. It really <laughs> sets you up for like very successful uh, early scoring if you get the right surges and whatnot. Um, so obviously with Fearsome Fortress, you're going to take things like Bold Sortie, Earthworks. Like those are just givens, Conquered Domain. Um, but but those were like easily reliable passive scoring. But obviously yeah. Headcrackers are pretty aggressive in nature, at least with their faction cards. Uh, so I thought it made for a really good flexible pairing where I can either score passive or score aggressive, depending on how my early cards go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And things like bring it on dead sneaky. Here we go. Like those are, those are innately going to score cause you're just playing the game. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of get free glory. So that's great. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a pretty strong surge package you have there. That's pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, for end scoring, a lot of my stuff was more hold objective. Um, along with great hunters uh, you can't play headcrackers and not take great hunters which is like their <laughs> their third end phase uh three glorious so you had to take that pretty um, yeah. I, I remember uh playing against you i think i was using the goats in this uh yep. last event and once i figured out that was in there i was like it felt like a clock ticking over my head especially in that particular matchup where it's like uh whatever it yeah. scores it's it was it's like playing against uh stalkers with we're like yeah there's three glory coming from the great plan this is like there's three i'm not going to be able to keep more than one alive or deny them primacy or whatever Uh, i i can maybe do one of those things but not both no it's definitely a reliable third end phase for sure uh which is why i took it and um yeah uh that was pretty much most of my objectives a lot of hold objectives just for passive glory like i said um things like hunt the world spirit we're holding two objectives but also having primacy will score it uh otherwise hold three um and because i'm playing fearsome fortress my main goal is not actually objectives i want board control so that was most of my game plan going into it because i also have a really hard time with being long boarded (laughs) As, as phil proved in our championship tournament locally. So, uh, yeah, longboarding is a problem for me. And offsetting max uh, offset uh, definitely didn't help. So, uh, going into it, my game plan essentially was to hold boards as, as much as I can. If I win, win roll-offs, I'm keeping boards uh, and just getting whatever outcome I want. Square us up, slight offset, whatever I think may be best through the scenario or what board gets given to me. That's uh, kind of where I was at. Um, I had lots of, uh, ploys to help because I was also a little bit nervous about Ephilim. Um, Brian and I actually played a quick practice game cause I didn't get much reps in going into Nova. We actually played a, played a practice game the night before, uh, where I did a redeploy play on him with wallop 
mm. uh, which I was very happy I made that change because I actually never had redeploy in the original deck, which was a mistake, I think, especially given the meta. Redeploy is a push for as long as you're on a feature you have to from a feature to a feature. Yep. And that pairs really well with cards like uh, Walking Wall, which mm. I had and actually got to play off, uh, get that like combination off in one of my games. Um, it was really nice to do. Um, uh, fun, fun fact, uh, even after the direct, uh, the um, commentary that we just received or the FAQ, um, that combo still works. That, that, that's a seal of approval. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> they're just all over the place with these rulings, I feel like. But I'll take it. <laughs> so yeah uh lots of cool combo cards like that and things like determined push to help me get on objectives once i knock knock uh some fools off of them yeah i so uh before we get into any more with matchups uh i i also you know have enjoyed building with fearsome fortress in the past uh as it's really something you can reach for if some of those, some of their best surges synergize with things that you're already trying to do, which, which they do in this. Um, it's, uh, it's the upgrades that sometimes starts to feel a little light to me. And it, uh, some of that hinges around uh, whether you can make use of some of the, they've got a couple weapons in there uh, and that sort of thing. Did you find one part or another of your deck, be it uh, objectives, probably not, but uh, uh, objectives, gambits or upgrades felt, uh, the spot where you're most lacking, or did you feel pretty good about all three? Uh, for sure. Uh, the ease, easily, uh, upgrades. I think you're right. Like that, that rivals deck definitely lacks upgrades, but I think that's where head crackers kind of pick up in the faction deck. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of really good upgrades, uh, to kind of accompany that, but knowing we were going into a void curse, uh, meta as well, like lots of people like that deck, Daco mm-hmm. would be useless without Mason's great hammer. Mm, um, yeah. which i actually um kept in a lot of scenarios where i was up against void cursed i kept that in my hand on purpose uh, mm. because i figured that was coming because i do like to do uh daco as a push onto an objective almost every time in my mm. matches and then they have that card that literally just says you you're on an objective <laughs> you're void curse now yeah so um that definitely didn't leave uh my deck considering Smart. That. uh that, yeah. that's a great call uh, anything else uh, about matchups that you felt, or we, any thoughts on matchups, uh, places you felt strong, where you felt vulnerable, or where you thought you had uh, too little knowledge? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I was going into aggressive matchups pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever someone was kind of coming into me and my territory, I felt like I could easily um, outmaneuver, um, get where I need to be, and then kind of counterpunch. Mm. Was I feel I feel kind of comfortable with that play style. I play a lot of Crimson Court locally. Mm. Um, I play, you know, I've played head. Cra- uh, I'm sorry, I've played headsmans locally. Uh, so a lot of aggressive matchups I'm familiar with. Um, I was a little bit nervous about hordes, um, specifically exiled dead. Um, the couple reps I've had versus them have not been very <laughs> rewarding <laughs> on my side. So I was a little nervous about that. And when I yeah. heard that Sepulchre Guard was going to be there as well, I also was like, uh-oh, another revive, <laughs> revive, revive. This yeah. could be bad for me. Um, but those matchups I were a little bit nervous about. Um, other than that, I felt pretty comfortable going into Aphilim. Uh Surprisingly, I know Skylar says Headcrackers, he didn't have a good time. In all my practice games, almost every game was super close. I think there was only one or two 
kind of blowouts the other way. Um, but I felt pretty confident in playing against an FLM. I know that sounds weird, but considering FLM are so strong. Hey, hats off to you. That, that could be a uh, play style difference. That could be um, like just the different way that we um, were managing that situation. And, and maybe with more practice, I feel more comfortable in that matchup. But um, I, uh, I love that, um, that you heard me you know, naysaying uh, on this pairing and you were like, nah, I'm or like, you know, this matchup and you're like, nah, I can do it. I, I, I absolutely have to try it for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I, I was really proud that you brought them. Uh, and through some uh, amazing um, like coincidence, uh, Bobby sets out to define for him the best deck list that he can build between <laughs> Headcrackers and Fearsome Fortress. And after that final fateful tweak of redeploy uh, yeah. the night before. The exact same deck as you. It aligns his deck. <laughs> wow. Absolutely Perfect. crazy. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Into head crackers, fort crackers. <laughs> oh, I like I like fort crackers. Uh, all right. Well, uh, any more thoughts about matchups, Bobby? Or are you uh, good to go here? Yeah, I think I'm good to go. Okay. As for the event itself, it was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but one day, five rounds, best of three, Nemesis format. It was, I think they bumped it where you had, was it uh, 95 minutes around, 105 minutes around? 105 minutes around, so, correct. Okay. Um, and uh, that was, uh, I think they maybe let you bleed on a little bit extra once in a while. Um, the uh, Again, Battle Mallet uh, talks talks a little bit more about how some of that uh, laid out. They've got some good thoughts about um, running things and, and all that. But uh, there were 32 players. Uh, it was waitlisted, ended up with 31 on the day by the time uh, drops and pickups uh, all got sorted out. Um and uh, part of that was uh, there were I think there were some more drops as the day went on, but it was also the very last event of uh, a long weekend. So I think as as some people uh, started getting kicked in the mouth real hard, they're like, yeah, I think I might just, <laughs> had enough. I might just make make it to my flight here with a little extra time. So a sold um, out Grand Clash with a wait list, though, uh, feels yeah. fantastic. Yeah, really good. Um, I hope that uh, hope that trend continues that's uh that's a good gain over the previous year and over events so far this year so uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna go round by round uh we are looking for uh fellas you're gonna give us a sort of a summary of who did you play what were they bringing as in warband and nemesis pairing if you can remember uh and then uh a few words about what you thought was going in uh, a few words about how you thought it went overall maybe give us a highlight moment and then what your takeaway was from the game because that's that's what we really like is uh to walk away from a game and say okay this is this is what i learned for the next time so uh skylar can you hit us with your round one yeah um right. going into round one uh, really quickly i'd like to just shout out to our to teresa mm-hmm. wagner Thank you so much. Uh, if you're listening, um, I know that you volunteer your time to do this for us, and that is extremely awesome. Um, Teresa Wagner is not somebody who necessarily plays Underworlds, but loves Underworlds and its community, and has done this for us at Nova two years in a row. Um, so thank you tons, Teresa Wagner. Nice. Uh, and 
going into my round one. Uh, I am uh, going to preface this with the fact that I'm not feeling well. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, it, I think it's compiled. Um, I have been at the convention since Wednesday evening. Um, I am trying to wake up after staying up too late multiple different nights, and I'm trying to make sure I've gone to bed well, hydrated well, um, and I'm ready to go in the morning. But I, I'm, I've got nerves. Uh, I am like not ready to be there. But I want to be there so badly that I'm pushing like mind over matter, and I'm just like, if you're not feeling well, um, you know, by by midway through the first. Uh, or, or by the end of the first, like maybe, maybe we'll duck out, but like try to get through your first, try to shake these nerves off. These guys got to be nerves. Um, yeah. And so, so this happened, uh, to, to me at least. Uh, <laughs> um, and th- thankfully, uh, uh, spoilers, it, it, it was, uh, just nerves. Um, mm. and, uh, my round one, um, h- helps a lot with this. Uh, I get to play Nikki. Uh, Nikki uh, is on Instagram uh, with Sparkhammer Minis is her handle, um, and she was an absolute joy. She brought uh, Drepper's Wraith Creepers, um, and she did not have a pairing. She brought a Rivals deck. Wow. Uh, she uh, had done a pink paint job uh, on Drepper's Wraith Creepers to match uh, her hair, um, and she told me explicitly I wanted to put a little bit of myself you know, into this warband. And um, what I want to talk about with this match is um, Nikki was my favorite opponent of the day. Um, When she came in, she tells me uh, that this is her first tournament and that she's really nervous. (laughs) And I'm nervous too. And um, (laughs) I I do not tell her that I'm nervous as well. And and I I think I should have. But, you know, I, I tell her, you know, don't be nervous. And I'm kind of like really great advice to, you know, from somebody who's totally stressed out of his mind right now. Um, but <laughs> we, we sit down and, and we have two great games. This is her first time um, playing Underworlds with um, the greater community as a whole. In fact, Brian um, gets the buy for their first round and actually has a conversation uh, with her significant other who, so Brian shares with me later uh, that she went into this tournament wanting to play other people because she kept beating her boyfriend's butt uh, at Underworlds. <laughs> <laughs> and she wanted to test herself against the greater community. Um, so uh, we get into the first game. And I kind of I kind of was wise to that she might have a rival's deck because I asked her, you know, if she had a pot card or a pairing. Um, and I, you know, let her know, hey, you don't have to, you know, share with me, if, um, you know, you don't have a pot card. Um, what your pairing is specifically. And, you know, that kind of raised some question marks for her. And I was like, okay. Um, but uh, we have some great games. My uh, game one, uh, I accidentally inspire all three, go- or th- three ghosts at once, not all three, but three of the four, right? <laughs> meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, the fourth one had already just inspired. And I'm like, oh man, come on, <laughs> come on. You, you gotta, you're playing against Drapers. You really got to manage their inspire a little better than <laughs> help, helping three of them inspire all at once. Uh, so that was a whoops on my part. <laughs> um, and, and the first game um, kind of goes my way just simply from a like aggro standpoint. Like I'm able to out aggro uh, Drapers in this first game. Game two, uh, I'm super <laughs> careful to not let her fighters inspire. Um, but in game two, her attacks were hot. They were well-placed and it had me sweating. 
um, to the point where I had to kind of like take a mental uh, step back and think to myself like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to lose this aggro, like the aggro matchup. And it was like, okay, but like you've built a deck that doesn't necessarily need to like need the aggro v aggro. Like we don't have to just like, we're, we're in a losing battle right now. Don't stick around. Uh, and it was like, I, I like the caffeine's kicking in and it's like, okay, disengage. Uh, <laughs> like take, take the convenient targets. Cause you're losing fighters and you're not taking them down. Like take any convenient targets that you can on your way, but focus on scoring outside of, uh, outside of aggro. Um, so, um, had me nervous, had me sweating, almost lost, uh, game two, um, to uh, like her great positioning and attacks there. Um, and, uh, so game, game one, uh, was 16 to three game two was 14 to six. And in 14 to six, we celebrated because, um, I didn't score as much and she scored, um, she doubled, you know, her initial score and, and, you know, kept that differential tighter. Um, uh, so, uh, we both felt like she was able to, um, handle that second game, um, even better. Um, and, when we started these games, she said that her her goal was also to kind of learn the language of these events, mm. right? She's only been playing uh, out of a rule book, out of she um, has been playing on Warhammer Online, um, the you know official Steam game, um, and so she's been kind of learning through that. But she hasn't actually been interacting with uh, people who've been you know dug into uh, the setting that you know would go to a tournament. So looking for you know, the structure, the language, uh, all that stuff. Uh, and so afterwards she, she, like, I, th- I think her nerves were still present cause she asked me, Hey, tell me, uh, tell me the truth. Uh, was that bad? Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I said, no, no, that wasn't bad at all. I was like, um, here's what's up. I was like, you have with you a rivals deck and you're going to find throughout the course of the day that that is going to be your, your biggest disadvantage because, you know, in this event, you're, it's nemesis format. And, you know, I, so I, you know, let her know, like your, you, your opponents are going to have combined two decks to kind of, uh, she kept uh, mentioning that cards in her hand were booty. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, they're able to, you know, get rid of the booty and replace it with something better. She, and her eyes kind of lit up like, Oh, like that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, and I was like, so, so you'll have that working against you, uh, during the event. I was like, but your positioning, uh, or your positional sense throughout the course of our game was spot on. And that's going to carry you like, uh, you're going to do well with that. Um, so ultimately, uh, when the tournament ends, um, she comes up to me and tells me that, um, she was really happy to have played against me in that first game and that she was able to grab a game win, uh, in her next match, uh, to kick off her next match. Uh, and between feeling comfortable as a result of our game and then having that game win underneath her, that really carried her. Um, and that awesome. She, she, (laughs) I agree for me, that was actually the biggest win of the day. Um, because this was somebody stepping into our scene, um, and like was enjoying herself and was not, um, like not wanting to leave. Right. Uh, and she, Uh, you know, that was something she mentioned, you know, uh, she was afraid uh, she might find herself in, you know, a situation where she didn't want to stick around. So with that, um, I'm just going to read uh, her Instagram post real quick. Uh, it's uh, when you, um, this is something she posted right after the event. Uh, when you commit to something, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. That's what I did. I competed in my first Warhammer Underworlds tournament at Nova Open in Washington, D.C., 
I was able to make it to round three and placed 29th out of 31. The crazier thing is I was the only woman competing, and I'm so proud of myself. If you're ever scared to do something, just do it. Uh, you'll never know unless you try. Uh, so this is, again, sparkhammer underscore minis at Instagram. Uh, give her a follow. Uh, go check her out. She uh, and her partner um, are commission painters, and they do uh, fantastic work. And tell her we sent you. Um, awesome. Super yeah. cool. That, that's a great story. That's cool. Bobby, it's kind of tough to follow. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, was no. your, what was your round one? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so my round one was against Brian Young. Uh, who was a returning Underworlds player who played in Shadespire. Mm. Um, so he, Is he, was he out of uh, the Battle Mallet group? I know they not. had a Brian. Okay. No. Uh, this Brian, I believe, was local uh, to DC. Um, mm-hmm. So he's uh, been around Nova a little bit, but hasn't played Underworlds for a while. He's mostly an AOS player. Okay. Um, so he told me uh, uh, he ha- actually had a couple of reps uh, versus Headcrackers before. Uh, mm-hmm. as he plays with his son here and there. Uh, and he also plays head crackers. So he was a little familiar with my warband, which immediately I was like, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, when people get a lot of reps in there, it's, you know, they, they know the tricks. Yeah. Um, but round one, we rolled off and I got boards, uh, which I was super happy about. Um, and he was also playing fearsome fortress and heads, uh, with headsman, uh, probably should have went in there first. Um, so headsman with fearsome fortress, I knew we were going to have a big fight for the middle, um, rolling some dice. I get boards. I let him have objectives. I'm cool with that. Luckily the objectives kind of landed near the middle, um, where we can, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be trying to do the same thing you are. So that kind of helps. Exactly. Yeah. So it works great for, for, for me, but also works well for him. Um, and the board that he placed down actually had a lethal, um, in it and I was a little nervous about it, but he, uh, I did kind of turn it. So it was near the, the rear of the board, mm-hmm. um, closer to the, the rear of the board. Um, but he actually placed the scripter. Um, so I, I won the roll off there and had him place first. Um, and he placed the scripter first next to that lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put down, um, an objective nearby that let Daco kind of push onto it, mm-hmm. uh, pretty early and actually catch range of the scripter right away. Mm. Um, and, and that's a tale to come for sure. Okay. Um, but, um, so everything gets placed looking good. Uh, I get my push off. My surges are like bold sortie. Um, I have conquered domain in hand, which I'm happy about looking at the board state. Um, and I believe I have earth earthworks as well. Um, so right away I, I pushed Daco. my round one, my favorite moment of the game happens, push Daco, push wallop. Daco takes two shots at the scripter, pushing him into the lethal crit success on both rolls. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> my dice were coming out of the gate swinging. Um, wow. So that, that was the round one activation one. It was great. Um, that game ended up, that round ended up being uh, 23 to nine for me. Uh, pretty strong uh, end phase objectives that I drew into after my surges Mm-hmm. Uh, each round I actually scored conquered domain for four in the first Ooh. round. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, with headcrackers. That's a, a max, max headcracker yeah. score. <laughs> max headcracker score. It was a big score for uh, conquered domain. Um, then jumping into game two, he um, had me longboarded, which I was Uh-oh. very. I was like, he knows something <laughs> that I don't know. When he's longboarding me with an aggressive fight for the middle, like he knows something I don't. So I was a little more scared about game two. 
Um, but nothing really changed, even though we were longboarded. It was still a fight for the middle. Um, this time with only, I believe we only had three hexes there, maybe even two. Because hmm. um, I actually tried to block him from getting close because I think like I think my thought process going into game two is that he knew something I didn't. So I'm going to try and get there faster. So I put the objectives more toward his side, but mm-hmm. also kind of denying him uh, as much as the center as I could. Mm. Um, so pushing into uh, pushing into his territory actually managed to clean up the uh, game 19-7 this time around. Mm. Um, so game uh, the game went to me 2-0. Uh, total glory was 42 to 16 for me. So a good start for me. Uh, my dice were super hot, but when dice are hot at the start, it feels like they're probably <laughs> going to go cold later. So a little nervous. You, you certainly hope not, but yeah, karma kind of feels like it's going to balance out somewhere, right? A hundred percent. Well, you're both on a win. So uh, with the way of, way of the Swiss pairings, you're going against someone who's also 1-0. Uh, Skyler, what did you face in the second round? So, in the second round, I meet Craig. Uh, Craig is new to Underworlds as of this year. I want to say March uh, of this year and is enthusiastic. Um, and uh, he has brought Gnarl Spirit Pack. Uh, this is mm. pre-beta Gnarl Spirit <laughs> Pack with Tooth and Claw. And let me Ooh, tell you... Yeah. Oof. He introduces himself. Hello, my name is Craig. I am playing pre-beta Gnarl Spirit Pack. <laughs> no. And that Sweet. that was akin to hearing someone say, Hello, my name is Anigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare <laughs> 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 to die. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um and uh, for, for listeners out there, so uh, to just kind of cover this decision real briefly, uh, the pre-beta rules, or sorry, uh, the, the beta rules not being used happened because we just got this new errata, right? Uh, and um, that has solidified their rules. That just happened on like Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and we're not going to use that because it's within two weeks of the event. Of course, we're not going to use that, right? Um, so those that were in charge of DW games at Nova decided to forgo the beta rules in the previous errata. So we were using one one errata back, um, which is what everybody would have prepped for for the event, minus the beta rules. And I phrase it um, as you know those that were in charge of DW games at Nova because this was not a decision that Teresa made like in isolation. This is one um, that was made uh, with counsel. Um, so it was, um, decided that this was what was going to be played at Nova. Um, and Teresa is almost, uh, more the messenger, uh, here than anything. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I assume there was no clarification as to why they chose to do that. Uh, no. Um, I, I've always thought that the beta rules had a little bit of mixed messaging, uh, in the sense that they're titled beta and there isn't like some sort of exclamation, uh, ex, you know, statement that says use these in tournaments period. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's kind of like, I think it's that right. Getting lost in, um, right. you know, who's, who's understanding in relaying. And it's like, well, these are beta. They're not technically official. Leave them out. Um, so, um, yeah, no, no clarification received overall there, though. Um, so, Craig, 
uh, has let me know he's an X-Wing player. Uh, so he's never played Underworlds competitively, but he has played X-Wing. Uh, so he's familiar with the competitive scene. And let me tell you, he's a sharp learner. Um, my game plan going in is to abandon my normal game plan <laughs> yep. for round one and yeah. position everyone in the back. We're going to stay, yeah. we're going to stay back a moment. My plan is uh, let yeah. them run in and then run away. <laughs> they are yeah. so um, fast without the beta rule though. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So fast. Uh, we have a nine uh, hex threat range off of uh, Sarakar here. Yeah. 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 And a six threat range off of um, uh, Mur- Murdergal. Um, <laughs> can't Kira, remember. Kira? Kira. Kira. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, so I'm hyper aware of like, okay, so she can reach six and she has access to Scything right away. Oh, yeah. boy. Mm. Uh, I'm going to position <laughs> back and try to choose who's sitting next to each other when I have to. Yeah. Um, so, how does it go? Um, so, uh, the first game, um, he um, is able to, or well, he, he thinks to himself, like, all right, like, they're scared. Uh, <laughs> and I need to get over there to get the glory that I need to get, right? So, mm. he starts running in. Uh, and thankfully, this works out for me. The first one, charging in Squirrel. And this is this is my favorite moment of our matchup. So, I'm going to highlight this, this Squirrel charge real quick. I do not recall if Goral just absolutely annihilates one of my fighters instantly with his three damage. I, my mind, my mind is blank there. Uh, it probably happened. Yeah. Uh, but what also happens is Goral is left standing right next to a lethal because I run lethals on my boards because I need to dunk the fish so I can mm. charge out. So he is standing next to one of those handy dandy lethals and I, he's now on two block. Um, and I'm yeah. like, okay, well, while I wait for the rest of them to funnel in, let's try to deal with the Goral issue. This is probably going to take me a minute because yeah. I might not <laughs> land an attack against two block. Well, um, I charge. Uh, I charge in, and I think this is with Tamiel. It might be with Furane. Either way, uh, I'm able to land it, um, and I'm able to deal two damage to him and push him into that lethal in hand. Spine fin toxin. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, this uh, this round kind of kind of goes that way, where um, uh, his fighters kind of run in, um, and I'm actually just able to address them uh, before um, I've kind of taken out all of his fighters. But I believe Sarkar, uh, either Sarkar or Lupin, um, and kind of get over to his uh, territory to start scoring uh, my glory uh, in that way. Um, and so we close out this round really early. Second, um, he has learned. He does not come into my territory uh, out the gate and and holds position. Uh, and I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> I get to charge you. Oh, boy. Um, and so uh, the first game, uh, I took that one 18 and 5. The second game, I'm only to, able to take this one 15 to 11, and it is close. And that game plan adjustment on his part was was key uh, to why this ended up being as tight as it was. Um, so yeah, um, that was my experience against pre-beta Gnarl Spirit Pack. <laughs> I could survived. not believe <laughs> I, that I survived, yeah. and that not only did I survive, I walked away with it uh, 2-0 uh, against a very savvy opponent um, who 
um, like I said, made that very quick adjustment and easily could have taken me to a third um, if a, a few more attacks go his way, um, for sure. Um, oh, nice. And then lesson, lessons learned, uh, I would say, uh, you know, in the, in the stage of the tournament, um, that kind of gave me confidence that I could forgo my own game plan temporarily to manage the, you know, the incoming uh, game plan, right? Um, yeah. To kind of respect. This sound like a correct identification of when denial was more important than scoring your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's that um, control aspect that you were mentioning about the the warband. So good, good use. Thank you, Bobby. What were you looking at for round two? The man, the myth, the bacon. <laughs> bacon <boy. laughs> yeah. Kanan's Reapers, Void Cursed Thralls. Man, Baconborn's a great player. Uh, round one was super rough for me. Um, total glory at the end of that was 1019. Uh, I couldn't get anything started. Um, I give him boards. I think to myself, I don't know. I've never played Kanan's Reapers before. I have no idea how they work. I, yeah. I kind of look oh, over man. their cards, just kind of sneaking a peek, but I kind of miss the fact that Kanan starts at range two. Ooh, um, yeah. So I put Wallop way up front on Hollow Subliminal, I think the board's called, uh, way up front and push him into the hex that's two away from Kanan and mm-hmm. he wins roll off um, with, I think he had three crits, two or two crits and beats me. So he gets to... Uh, to, to make first move and uh yeah didn't go too well for <laughs> wallop who soaks up some big damage right away um but i tried to retaliate and and take a charge back which actually goes through but this is again not knowing the war band uh and only playing a very limited amount of uh reps versus void cursed um yeah that guy's got six wounds yeah yeah <laughs> so sure does. That, that was rough uh, to figure that out. So he took out wallop activation too. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great start for me. Um, but then I tried to bring it back, uh, with primal brutality where I just take the primacy, uh, and inspire my leader because I wanted that crushing ability for being adjacent, which would give me plus two instead of plus one. So I'd be doing three damage if the spell is successful. Um, so I'm like, okay, he's on three. I'm on three. Let's let's try this. So I charge with my leader into Kanan and I miss. Uh-oh. And I, I actually crit, but he crits crits me out. Oh, um, yeah, and because he's void cursed, I I can't can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um. So he actually is hanging out in my territory at this point. I don't think he's charged out. I think he had made a move action, so he's still kind of hanging out, uh, able to attack. I think he used the refashion reactions card. Ooh. Yeah, um, which I wasn't adjacent moves into my territory, so he's starting to just, yeah, wreak havoc in my territory. Um, so by the end of the round, I think I'm down two fighters, uh, but I did crit out, I crit out with Warpaint Ward, so that felt good. Uh, I was about the only thing <laughs> that felt good in that first round, um, and yeah, uh, and then so I did actually try that attack again. I did get two tries at it before he took out Headcracker. Um, but it was just another miss. So uh, that one was a wash. I'm like, okay, I understand now. Let's go to game two. Let's make it interesting. Uh, so for game two, um, he offsets me slightly, um, but not nothing too crazy. Uh, so I, I'm aware now of, you know, the range, the wounds. Uh, so I kind of try my best to play around Kanan. Um, 
where I let him either come to me or I, I just ignore him, go to a specific spot, redeploy to get out, um, things like that uh, to try mm-hmm. and just avoid the big guy. Uh, yeah. Which actually, by the end of round two, I was actually feeling really good. I was at, I think I was at 13 to seven up. Wow. Uh, I was right. feeling, feeling great. Um, and I look at my hand, I have an easy surge uh, thrown down. It was Earthworks. Score that. I'm looking at 14 8 by activation two in the third round. Um, so I'm feeling great. I missed refashioned reactions and made oh, a no. charge with my leader. I thought, yeah. I think what I thought he had done was already made that actually, cause I believe you can only make it once per round. Right. Yeah. Yep. So I believe I, I mixed up round two and round three when he used it and kind of just thought he couldn't get to me. So I'm like, great, here's my charge with my leader. I'm going to take out your small fighter. I'm hanging out on this objective where I want to be. I'm going to score three more glory, uh, four more glory. Cause I have great hunters and, um, uh, I have Gorka Morka. And mm-hmm. primacy. So I'm actually looking at uh, five. So I'm like, I think I'm in a good spot to win this one. Refashion reactions comes out. He comes over and he gets two free activations where I can't move. Oh, uh, no. And I can't push him. So the first one goes uh, through. He rolls some dice. He crits me and succeeds. And I'm like, all right, here you go, <laughs> headcracker. Bang. I crit succeed. I'm like, okay, great. One more. Can we do it? Yeah. Um, no, we couldn't do it. <laughs> the next attack he made, uh, he took me out and he had a massive end phase hand uh, and taking primacy from me because Headcracker was the final one alive. Oh, yeah. Um, he took primacy Rough. from me, bricked my hand and scored. I believe it was seven or, or eight, seven with the kill, eight total with the kill, uh, bringing him up 15, 14 over me. Oh no! Uh, and it was super <laughs> rough. I felt super Just, uh, down after that game. I was like, I had it. We were going to game three. Yeah, I, I, I figured out the little puzzle ahead of me. Um, yeah. But yeah, what what a what a crazy ending to the game. I think that was one of the most like tight games that I've had with such a big glory differential in quite some time. Oh uh, wow, that's awesome. That's a. Uh... It's great to hear the adjustments, even if they didn't uh, pay off. Like you, you like to be able to yeah. see that they, they, you know, your choices were meaningful. You know, yeah, 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 for sure. I, and I mean, it's. I personally don't think I've actually played Baconborn, but I've definitely seen that he's been doing really well in Vassal before, and like he's definitely around in the community all the time. So we definitely know he's like top level player so being able to get it that close i think is is a testament and i think it's also really interesting um like nobody saw this pairing coming i don't think like uh, certainly I, certainly not in our bet not I, in I, our I think meta, there's yeah. probably yeah plenty of uh vassal might might tell you otherwise yeah uh, I, I don't know that for sure but, but, but it was uh, the yeah, only one not the, on our radar yeah, at all only one at yeah. the tournament too i believe yeah. so it's just Indeed, like yeah. oh we weren't practicing for it like you always exactly. know that kanan is well if you played against kanan before you know kanan is strong but for whatever reason i was like i wasn't even thinking about kanan yeah, yeah. and when we did our pre-nova stuff we actually talked about what warbands we'd expect and no one said kanan no yeah. i didn't even know he existed until i seen him <laughs> across the table from me uh yeah scary scary warband yeah, I mean, he's got access to extra movement. He's got access to extra accuracy. Um, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that you are void cursing Kanan in most matchups yep. so that you can really leverage those. Oh, what uh, a statement. 
Yeah. I avoid Curse Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was literally just standing there. What are you going to do? You can't knock him around. You can't move him yeah. anywhere. He's just yeah. there in yeah. your face. Oh. It's a, it's a cool, cool, uh, cool choice. So, uh, but uh, that moves us on to round three. Skylar, what's this, uh, what's this one looking like for you? So, we merely cook the bacon. He was born in the bacon. <laughs> oh <laughs> bacon <my>. born. <laughs> Is my third as well. Or oh, my oh next no. game as well. All right. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I'm up against Mark, uh, who I, I would agree is um, – like one one of the best in the game right now, I, I would say um, he, we we all uh, fortunately uh, get to read his uh, technical writing as well, and I think um, he is uh, if not the best among the best technical or competitive writers out there for the game, um, mm-hmm. undeniably. Um, and uh, he's brilliant. He's super fun to play with. Uh, we had an awesome set. Um, extremely. Uh, personable and kind during our set. Anytime dice went um, his way, uh, especially in the crit category, you know, uh, you know, sorry, sorry about that, or you know, um, mm. and so just, just the type of person you um, like can't be mad at. You know, it's just like, <laughs> like you, you, you're like, ah, oh, like I lost against you, but I really want you to do well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, sort of a deal. So. Uh, as stated by Bobby, you know, Canaan's Reapers uh, and Void Curse Thralls. Um, going in, uh, my plan is to take down Kanan. Um, it's been a yesteryear since I've seen Kanan. Uh, Josh used to rep Kanan all the time before he hung, hung up that mantle and uh, transitioned to other warbands. Uh, so I miss I miss seeing Kanan. I've always thought he was a force. Um, yeah. And what I remember was take down Kanan. Um, like, do, do not focus on anything else until you've got that guy down. Um, mm. Then you can mop up more attacks. Uh, meanwhile, try not to get surrounded, right? So right. That, that's kind of the game plan I, I, I have going in. So game one, uh, I'm able to spike uh, a ton of damage on Kanan and take him down in, I think, two activations. For sure, uh, wow. For sure, in, in game one or two, I take him down in two. I actually take Kanan down like his first priority in, in, in both games one and two. Um, but we go to three. Uh, so in games one, game one, uh, it ends 11 to 16. And I'm so sorry that I, I don't have more details. Uh, <laughs> I, I woke up the next morning and I was just amazed at how much I could not remember from my matches. <laughs> You're uh, telling me. <laughs> but it was a gauntlet. Uh, <laughs> um, so what I can tell you is that um, the game was close. It felt like it was anybody's game. Um, and, and I think... It was in round three where it really kind of slips away from me. And I'm like, okay, he's, he's got this one. Um, so that one ends 11 to 16, but it still feels close. Uh, and I, I decided to double down on that Kanan game plan. Um, so in game two, I'm lucky enough to, to get access to enough damage. I think I might actually in both games take him down in two activations. So, you know, with things like um, Hunter of Souls offering me an extra damage with, mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure at one, in one of these, I stack both Hunter of Souls and Callus uh, mm. on the same incoming fighter, uh, wow. you know, dealing four damage in that attack yeah. off of two damage prior. Um, I think in one of them, it might have been, you know, spine fintoxine helped bridge the gap or uh, choking venom. But either way, we're able to topple the big boy in both games. However, 
however, and this is this is where uh, the tides change uh, against me. I forget uh, unnerving synchrony exists, Oof, yeah. and it comes <laughs> and it comes out in games one or two, um, in only one of them. But it came out enough to scare me. Uh, it unnerved me going forward. Uh, <laughs> I I want to say it might have even been what kind of like turned the tides in game one. Uh, and handed it to him because the idea of being able to be surrounded by Mortex, get mm-hmm. hit, hit by Natterite. Um, so like uh, Natterite's offering extra damage if support results come in and are successful, right? Yeah. And then regardless of success or failure, unnerving synchrony will allow Kenta uh, to attack a target that an adjacent Mortex just attacked. So yeah. you're, you're uh, getting attacked again. Um, and I would have to double check. I think you can even change targets because I think it's more about that uh, adjacent Mortech um, was next to you than it is about the same yes. target. Yeah, it you just, just makes to, an attack. Yeah, action. you just make yeah. the free attack. Yeah. You get to. Yeah, yeah. Which is why so, giving it to range two fighters is mean. <laughs> so that that was dismantling me. Um, and um so i'm happy i'm happy to take this to a third um these have been um the like most mentally draining games of the event for me and the highlight here would be actually that we do take it to a third um both because mark goes on to win this thing and i'm happy to Mm -hmm. pull a game off of him um but um also that we have 15 like maybe 18 minutes on the clock total for for, for a game three and no and we're we're both seeing this happen like we i think our first game took like 50 55 minutes uh and we agreed to each other you know in that moment that we would play our second game faster so that if we needed a third we could and we played it faster but only marginally right We're, we're looking at just just 15 to 18 minutes left and so we commit to the third game we throw down we are playing as fast as we can uh it is like you do not have time to rethink decisions um you you are going and you know what the game is looking like it might go my way and i get an uh, get a decision point that i think in a different timeline might see this series go my way um because what happens is unnerving synchrony gets into my head and i'm looking at my hand and i have spine fintoxin um and hunter of souls and i don't go for kanan i have mm. i have a moment where i've got spine fin next to both kanan and um and kenta and i think to myself but what if he has unnerving synchrony in hand <laughs> and i think that's the like i i, I this this moment <laughs> like this juncture in time has been stuck in my head and will live in my head <laughs> forever uh, because I feel like I could have taken Kanan out in another two activations. Like, I think I was lucky enough to be uh, afforded that hand, um, assuming assuming dice go my way, right? And that's, right. that's that's in that split moment, it's like, but, but that's if dice go your way. And it's like, mm-hmm. how about you try for an attack on Kenta and if the dice go your way, just take Kenta out. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just get him out of the picture. Um, but... I have just spent the luxury of two games without having to worry about Kanan for majority of those games. Mm. 
I do not know what fear looks like. <laughs> so I make the wrong decision and I kill Kenta. <laughs> Maybe the wrong decision, I, th- I think. Um, and then in response, uh, moments later, like he gets another two tie. So this is another uh, factor of mistake. He has a card that asks me a myth. Methodical assault. Methodical assault. He fails an attack. I am just uh, against Furain, and I'm sitting over there like, please don't hit, please don't hit, please don't hit, and he yeah. fails it. Uh, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> I think I have, like, I think I've got play here. Like, I'm going to need her um, to help me take out Kanan. Yeah. Because uh, I kept him alive. And he plays Methodical Assault. Play this after a friendly Mortex failed attack action. Pick one opponent. That opponent picks one. You gain two tithe counters, or that Mortex makes an attack action. And at this point, he doesn't have any tithe counters, uh, and I'm afraid. And I'm like, or I, I don't think he has any tithe counters. Uh, and I'm more afraid of another attack coming in. I, yeah. It's a it, like this is a, this is one of those people talk about like uh, it's a bad decision either way. This is what this is. Um, yeah. And I go with the two tithe counters. Continues to haunt me um, <laughs> because. I think what he does with those two tithe counters, if I recall correctly, it's definitely the end result. Um, is it like his next activation um, or a very soon to be activation, maybe after he secures a third tithe counter, um, yeah. is he walks Cannon over to my leader and one shots him full health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can, uh, he can use those tithe counters on the fly and yeah. yeah. Oof. At the wow. t- at either at the end of the first or the top of the second, uh, mm. just, no more, no more elephant. It's just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, and then like Kanan is, he was just a monster. He just, he took down everybody, but uh, Furane. I just have Furane left. I'm trying to keep this game close. Um, mm. And I think I still have a foothold. I think I still have a chance, uh, but I need to get away. Like I, I just need to make sure that like I can stay alive. Uh, I can play for dead or doomed. Um, and like, I just need, because I've got him down to what I haven't mentioned is I've got him down to just Kanan and one more Mortech at this point. Like okay, I, like, yeah, that's doable. I kind of reversed the plan. Like yeah. I didn't go for Kanan; I went for everyone else, and I am yeah. suffering for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to end this out, um, I start skirting away, which is going to get me surging tide. Couldn't have gotten it at a better time. I'm like perfect. I need an escape plan. Surging tide is going to reward me for escaping. Um, boards are slightly offset. So I'm rounding a corner and, and ducking into my territory and I'm like, stay away. Um, <laughs> what hasn't cognitively hit yet because we had 15, 18 minutes to play this game. We made it to the top of the third before timer was called. So we were granted the ability to play the third, which we had hoped uh, for, um, because this is big. Um, mm. and, what cards had lost me was I hadn't seen him use his void curse move yet. Forceful movements. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got refashion priorities and refashioned reactions on, on this big boy as well. Uh, and they have not gone off in this final round. So he is able to, in one fell leap, essentially move on his turn to a center position. And I'm like, okay, I got time. I got time to scoot. Uh, and then in power going into his next turn, use forceful movements to yeah. put me in a corner in a terrible position. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> and stuff. like it got to, it, in that moment, it's like, OK, I need to I need to I don't have an escape route. He's going to be able to chase me with refaction priorities or reaction. Like either mm-hmm. way, he's got me. I cannot escape. 
I need to try to attack him, survive an attack, see where it goes. Um, yeah. And uh, a dead Furane is to follow. So incredible set of games. We had so much fun. And that one ends 10 to 16, um, like after everything's said and done. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, if Furane doesn't die, that's a point in his favor. I've got dead or doomed in my hand. I think I've got you know, something like something else, like I'm still holding on to threads at this point. Like I could really like potentially still win this third game, but uh, um, what, what a fun final game for our set. And, and it was played incredibly fast. Um, no, no regrets. Um, like I, I enjoyed being put to the pressure of the speed um, and I enjoyed immensely our set. He's, he's a fantastic player and that Kanan's Reapers is his favorite war band. Uh, I, pretty confident void curse thralls is his favorite universal deck so he got to play two favorites in a pairing um and he showed everybody uh like literally taught or brought everybody to school right like wow. mm-hmm. uh, with yeah. it so uh can't say enough good things about uh mark as a player um and like how much fun that set was awesome that's uh if you got to take it l that's how you want to do it uh Bobby, you are coming off a loss. You are one and one. What does your round three look like? Yep, coming off a loss, one one, running into Drapers, mm. and I was a little surprised to see him paired with Toxic Terrors. Actually, oh, uh, but I thought as we were playing, I was like, "Yup, that's that's Toxic Terror stuff." Uh, yeah, I guess Karma <laughs> Path is a nice pairing for the boss there. It's huh? Real nice, uh, yeah. at which he scores pretty much right away in uh, game one. Um, but so round one, we we start, um, I actually get a pretty good glory train roll in early with uh, a successful attack. Uh, after going second, I use primal brutality to grab the uh, primacy, inspire tooth dagger, activation one, he's running in doing three damage uh, if I crit. Um, so it was actually real nice uh, to get me started. I took mm-hmm. out, I believe it was godric the one with cleave uh which mm-hmm. wasn't the best for me uh considering i'm on all dodge but uh it was the closest and most viable option so score for the kill uh bold sortie um off to a good start uh game one goes my way i think the score was 17 9 for me mm-hmm. um he he was uh he was playing them really well he actually did a lot of those the push mechanics with the drums which i play the warband i like them i almost brought them um, and I totally forgot about, uh, oh, so there were definitely scenarios where I was kind of stood in enemy territory or like nearby and, and he just like pushes into his next, I'm like, Oh yeah, forgot about yeah. that. Um, <laughs> which actually was really punishing in game two, um, where he decides to offset me, but not, not greatly. Um, but using that, you know, a, initial move advantage that he has, um, with Drapers, they're move four at the start where I don't get move four until I inspire. Uh, definitely, definitely coming in and taking me out. And he basically maneuvered really well movement wise the second game. Um, and I, I couldn't get on any objectives. I couldn't score any um, any attacks. My dice were really cold in the second game of this one. Uh, mm. And it showed uh, I lost the second game five to 13, uh, which was pretty brutal. It was definitely my worst loss of the day. Um, and then into game three, we do roll offs. I get boards again, so I'm super happy with that. Place us squared up, uh, and he gives us another lead. It gives me a lethal board, um, which I'm, you know, 
licking my lips for. I'm like, I'm coming in there, yeah. knocking you into some lethals uh, with only two damage. So I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. Um, and it got my glory train rolling again really early. Um, my dice were super hot uh, in game three with this one. And I took it 23 to 13 wow. uh, in game three. So that's a big one. It was a uh, two to one for me. But game game two had me nervous. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> yeah, was, good way to bounce back. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this as well. If if uh, a five thirteen loss is your worst one of the the day, I mean that's a that's a low glory total, but at eight point differential, uh, if I if I go to somewhere and say that was the biggest I lost any game by, it's not bad. Yeah, man. feels pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and Drapers were just rude doing range two stuff against. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, yeah. They're, they're not very kind uh, once they get. And I think in Nemesis, they they have a lot of legs. Um, I, I think, yeah, what they got to find is the objective help. I think their end phases are, yes. if I remember, pretty awful um, in in faction uh, by and large. And yes. so if they can find somewhere to get help on that front, then uh, then yeah, I'd agree. Right, which Toxic Terrors really helps open that up with Carver Path. And then he, mm-hmm. uh, but for end phase, he was scoring a lot of the uh, have two um, poisons active, have mm, more sure. upgrades. He was scoring a lot of those and it was, it was quite, Interesting. Was like, okay. yeah. And it was kind of surprising. Cause I mean, I think it was game two where he just was like, yeah, tooth, tooth daggy, freezing venom. You can't move. Uh, what are you going to do? And I was like kind of <laughs> stuck in the middle of nowhere and I couldn't activate him. Uh, cause he, it would have just been a wasted action yeah. uh, for me. And I was trying to get more, movement around because at this point he started hot and i'm, I'm super cold and I, I just can't get anywhere to get anything started that card is super strong and i think that that pairing is something i'm definitely eyeing that's uh, cool yeah it's super super fun to, to play against something new thematically yeah. that's like wonderfully horrifying too <laughs> like <laughs> sure. like ill-prepared going down in a fighter and then the drum beat going it's like uh like we we frozen <laughs> frozen you in fear and we're on our way and that drum beat just going it's like oh <laughs> but yeah that was ultimately my game three all right skyler you have to collect the shattered pieces of your mind after that uh brain burner you are uh, now also two and one Agree. Uh, yep what uh what is your round four my round four is uh, against michael who i learn is mark's brother um oh, and shout is out, this exiled dead this is exiled dead ah cool all and right and seismic shock oh uh what okay <laughs> interesting <laughs> i had to practice that uh in advance right it's it's seismic size oh, yeah. <laughs> <got there>. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah uh shout out to michael real quick because uh without michael we don't have mark in this game um and mm. uh both of them are awesome uh and like michael was so proud as an older brother being like i got him into the game and he took the event <laughs> right um he he was a ton of fun um and uh mark actually spoiled for me that um he had brought exile dead and seismic shock together um so it was funny we sat down and it was like what do you brought and you know uh he, i was like oh i brought soul raid and he was like no plot and i was like exactly and it, uh, he's like well i'll find out soon enough you know sort of the deal and i was like because uh, i'm like no plot and he's like yeah and I, he's like I, you know there's kind of like exchange where i think like 
most exiled dead players who say no plot you're thinking like okay they got beastbound assault and i'm like yeah oh wait wait a minute uh your brother told me you have seismic shock by the way <laughs> uh so i will tell you that i have toxic terrors um, uh, all right all oh, the sportsmanship <laughs> and then it was funny because we both had to mulligan our objective hands uh, or some sort of hands that then showcased exactly it. It. yeah yeah <laughs> it was like oh well <laughs> there it is <laughs> all right we, we didn't need the uh, the whole preamble there um, table doesn't lie but uh uh this deck uh is kind of designed around you know having two wizards being able to um cast uh there's the one uh, i'm gonna forget it uh this is kind of like uh his personal goal card and this was something mark told me about going into it was that he brought it with the hopes of being able to do dynamism is mm. that the right card is this is this the uh spell yeah it's a spell that's actually really hard to yeah. cast for them because i think it requires double, double channel, double channel. But it yeah lets him do kind of that action an extra time yeah yeah exactly yeah. so that was one of the goals was um to like really enjoy the moments where that actually goes off um mm-hmm. so it, there's there's a high variance level in like the success of this deck um he's yeah. also running um the surge i can see it but i uh, i know it's got like miari like holding down um uh some no, like a level two in enemy territory or something like that exactly or? yeah it's like no. so i think it's 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 two glory it's hold yeah. uh an objective in enemy territory like over two activations I right th- um right and, and it has to be a wizard I believe yeah. that's doing it yeah. right. So this is in that deck. I'm like, I see, I see it at one point. It gets cycled out um, during game one, and I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> and that that kind of actually like uh, uh, segues nicely into game one because game one is uh, shambling the forces into my territory with the wizards in tow, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on right now? <laughs> uh, so I'm able to. Um, get it DeAntelos um, much easier than I would have anticipated. Um, mm. and, he, and he realizes this very quickly um, because I take DeAntelos down probably round one. Um, and then um, then I just have to worry about taking the Markovs and his puppet um, down, uh, combo down, uh, before I really need to worry too much about then working on uh, killing the no longer tethered to magic zombie horde. Mm-hmm. Um so, so that's kind of how round one goes. So then round two and round one ends 14 to six in my favor. Uh, round two, though, uh, he says, you know, mid game, he's like, or between rounds as we're setting up, he's like, okay, I got to make sure I don't give you access to Dantelos this time. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, we're, we're going to wall up. Um, so, um, that's, that's kind of what happens here. We get kind of a choke point in like, a like a four, uh, four or five um, hexagon, like no one's man, no man's territory. Um, you know, four being like the the tightest they can make it. I can't remember if it was the tightest offset possible or or one more than that. Um, to maybe kind of allow a little bit of dipping in to my territory mm-hmm. for some potential scoring. Um, but ultimately he's kind of uh, abandoned. Uh, like I, th- I think that card gets cycled out pretty quickly. The Miari uh, art one. Um, and uh, it's the game plan has shifted to like keep him away from Deantelos and you know keep them out of my territory. Like it's clear that he wants to get in um, based on taking advantage, be the flood tide, all the things that I was working with, Venom Gorge, whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, so let's keep him out. Let's keep Deantelos safe. Here we go. 
And oh boy, was that a tough uphill battle to break break <laughs> that wall and get in. <laughs> Always um, is. So one of the things that Soul Raid has available to them though here uh, is like they always have uh, that disruptive fish, right? Mm. So uh, I'm able to like start poisoning people behind the lines just by popping the fish up there. Um, And I think I break the line with like no safe ground where like I Mm. pull somebody near like um, a feature token, uh, just pull them out of the way and I'm like, I'm coming in. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But even then it takes me all game uh to to really get at Deantelos. He he had him protected. There's a point where he's literally um he's in a circle. It was amazing. It was like five of his fighters um in a circle with Deantelos in the center. And then I <laughs> I had gotten Furane somehow in there. And so yeah. so I'm the sixth one and I'm against a wall and there's no getting out. Furane's just pretending to be a zombie in there. Ooh, <laughs> I'm like shot in bed. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, it came down to like, can she survive these attacks and get two shots on him? Uh, yeah. Sort of a deal. And uh, it happens. Uh, I th- oh, wow. I might have gotten lucky and had... Um, her like she's charged so she's on guard no no because then I would have been charged out no it just it I it, by all accounts it probably shouldn't have worked as well as it did um, <laughs> but uh, able to able to sneak in the win there really really tight that, that second game could have been anybody's um, and it was 15 uh, 10 um, is how that nets out um, that's cool yeah I haven't played against exile dead in a hot minute I yeah. would have been that's always like a little bit of a culture shock when you play against them for the first time again in a while You're like oh this plays so different than everything else and the spell slinging with like yeah. like having two wizards that could just um start slinging spells out of nowhere um right was right. i love the redundancy um but then just like the fact that they're kind of like always activating with others mm-hmm. you're kind of mm-hmm. you're kind of more worried about who they're bringing to the party than all of a sudden like oh wizards in range yeah <laughs> <laughs> right right Oops. yeah well bobby that uh brings us to your round four uh you also two and one at this point what's uh what's your status yeah well i'm really thankful that skylar took away exiled dead and i didn't have to sit across from that <laughs> monstrosity because that would have been real bad for my round four okay um but i sat across from trace from battle mallet oh awesome yeah so we actually got to uh to have a, a game i was super excited about it met him the day before um fantastic guy the group is great um, and we sat down and I expected it to be a fantastic game, which it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so my favorite of the day, uh, Trace was playing Scabix, 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 yeah. With, yeah. Scabix. Um, with Void Cursed. Say Void Cursed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is one of those scenarios where I knew, you know, Void Curse is here. I'm definitely getting Void Curse to death. Um, yeah. Daco's going to gonna eat some pain here. So I mulligan <laughs> my first hand looking for Mason's. Uh, had a couple upgrades I didn't really care for anyway. Um, so uh, Mulligan into it, super happy about that. Activation one, round one, I do my push. He he actually immediately plays the card. He's like, yep, that goes Void Curse now. <laughs> I'm like, cool, fully expected. Uh, yeah. So he, he runs into me with, um, I believe, Rabidius. Yep. The big guy with the hammer, right? Uh, uh, yeah, runs he's got a big old. Yep. Yep. He uh, bonks Wallop right away and I'm, Sitting down here, I'm like, really? This is essentially I'm playing I'm playing Canaan's again. Uh, <laughs> sitting on some wounds right away. Uh, but no, we have a great game. Um, 
I do some, I get some nice plays off, but nothing to kind of bring game one back. He actually takes it from me, uh, 20 to 14 for him. Oh, um, nice. It was yeah. decently tight up until around the last activation or two of round three where I kind of got cleaned up. Uh, I had great hunters in my hand, um, but couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't stay alive long enough to score it, mm. uh, which could have kept us close. With um, 20 points on his side, does he, do you remember, get um, like three corruption off? I, I Yes, he definitely had three corruption off nice. for sure yeah. uh, in round one. So this is also the first time I've ever played the rats. So oh, I've sat really? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I've done you okay. a disservice. For yeah. sure. I, I, to be fair, much for rather sure. play the rats than exiled dead. <laughs> so uh, it was definitely interesting to learn how they work the first game. Uh, the move stuff that they can do with the little guy. Uh, with Void Curse, you can just hop all around, and it's kind of kind of crazy uh, to keep track of everything. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but game one goes to him uh, after some really, really fun stuff. It's probably one of my favorite moments in our game, for sure. Probably one of the favorites of the event. Um, he charges Headcracker with Scritter, the little guy. <laughs> Yeah, and rolls a crit success, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm on three wounds, and I'm like, really? <laughs> this is how you're gonna <laughs> we're both laughing and 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 i i'm like all right sure i'll throw my dice and i actually crit success and we both we're both cheering and it was pretty great it was a great moment uh that was yeah. actually hilarious because if he he kills him there uh takes primacy obviously and you know it would have just been real rude uh he's like i'm so sorry he said it as he was moving it was like i'm so sorry i had to do this i was like i get it uh but that was that was a fantastic moment in game one you know, I'm rarely mad when I crit and then they crit. Because how could you be? Uh, really, yeah. though. Right? <laughs> I was super happy to crit out of that. But you know what? If it went through, I would have been cheering for him, too. Because that was a, a hell of a moment. Uh, but then for game two, or round two, we hop into uh, boards for him. He positions us at a slight offset. So once again, at slight offset uh, with Fearsome Fortress, everyone likes to block those hexes. Makes total sense. Uh, but we did some this game was quite strategic with um, placements for the befowlers to kind of um, uh, to get in there and, and um, what's it called corrupt territories. Uh, so he ended up not getting anything in no man's with a full offset. Uh, mm. So I don't think he was able to corrupt anything in there. Um that game plays out a lot different and more my side for sure. Um, I actually, same thing happens. Dako gets Void Chris fully expected it. Play redeploy with Walking Wall this time to kind of get him into the action and then drop Mason's Hammer on him uh, mm-hmm. and actually crit success uh, Rabidius out of the game pretty much right away. One of the, one of the first moves of my of my. Uh, oh snap! Yeah. Grievous yeah. on that hammer. Grievous on that Ooh. hammer. Love uh, it. Yep, took him out uh, really early there. So the game starts to go my way, and I'm feeling good about it. Nothing crazy happens other than like a absolute brain burner of like movement mechanics, like who's going where, how do I get these befowlers off the objectives, out of the out of the territories, like keeping them away. Um, that. Uh, that took us a lot of time and we actually didn't get to play a game three because of it. Round two goes to me, 1912. Uh, and trace is one hell of a player, uh, smart guy, big brain stuff. 
uh, making me really, really think this is probably the most thinky game I had, which is probably why it ran over. Because even the game where Baconborn and I played, we mm-hmm. could have got into game three with 30 minutes left. We were playing at a really quick quip. Yeah. Um, but this one, not so much. It was a big, big thinking game. Um, second round against the, the rats, too, which didn't help me. But yeah, so uh, we tie 1-1. We gentlemen's agreement. We're not going to try. I think we had 10 minutes left to try and get anywhere in round three. We were just mm-hmm. like, we're, we're fine. Uh, happy 1-1. So if you're listening, Trace, I'd love to play you on Vassal to get that third game in. <laughs> just saying. Kind of like to take that from you. <laughs> I don't like to be a tie guy. You know, I like to win. <laughs> so if you're listening, reach out to me. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so that was my round four. Yeah, awesome. Skyler, uh, how do you close out your event? All right, so closing out the event, I go up against the second Path to Glory member, uh, two of two uh, yeah. at the tournament. Uh, so I'm up against George, um, also known as Kairos on the Discord. Um, by the way, uh, so he brings Plague Pack and Void Curse Thralls. And my, my by the way there is, if you haven't listened to the Plague Pack episode that uh, Path to Glory has done, um, it is um, incredibly thorough, uh, informative. They, they love this warband. They got they spent some time on this warband before uh, they post the episode, and, and it really shows. They um, uh, it, it is a pleasure uh, to listen to that episode. Um and I had not completed the episode before I, I got this match. Uh, but I also got to play, uh, you know, play Pack Boy, Chris Thralls, both personally, uh, was really excited about this as well as then uh, against it in uh, Davies' game there. So remember those key interactions that we highlighted in the last episode? Yeah. Those are coming up right here. <laughs> um, so... Uh, first off, we're going to actually start with uh, one of my highlights. There's there's two highlights from from these games. Uh, the first is that uh, George to celebrate the gauntlet of five, you know, best of threes in a day has whiskey to <laughs> to, to start the game. Of course. Um, so uh, it was really great. He um, had brought a flask and um, had we grabbed like glasses from nearby uh, that you could use for water or whatever, right? Um, but he poured one for me because I was his final opponent, as well as one for um, all of the locals that he had, uh, that Mark and him had that came with. Um, I, I believe they had two minimum, maybe three, but at least two uh, locals with them. Um, so kind of all kicked off that final round um, with with a really nice uh, sipper. That was really great. Um kind of shakes off the nerves going into that final one where your brain is already kind of, I, I don't know if it's nerves at this point. It's kind of just like, it's, it's more it's like misfiring synapses. Exactly. Just and drained. this is straightening them out a little. <laughs> um, so going into this game, um, I've, I've got history behind me um, on both sides of the table. And I think plague pack is a joy. So I'm super excited to see them. Uh, I love Void Chris Thralls, super excited to see that, and I've never had the pleasure of playing George. Um, so uh, a, a lot a lot to enjoy uh, going into a f- fifth game here. Um, and w- to talk about what my plan was going in, let's talk about the first mulligan. I get to see from George, reshaped realm, uncounted oh. costs, and threatening presence. <laughs> Oh wow! And when All I right. when I saw that, I looked up at him and I was like, "Oh, is that how this is gonna be?" <laughs> <laughs> and he chuckled and was like, "Uh huh, 
yeah, that's how this is going to be. Okay. Okay. Um, so, um, what that told me was that I needed to do everything I could to avoid reshaped realm from, from scoring for him. And thinking back, I was like, you know what, if I can pull the fish off, if the fish doesn't get void curse by other means, and I can mm-hmm. pull the fish off uh, end of round two, early round three, and not bring the fish back, then the only thing I have to fear is singular reshaping. Because at this point in time, I have not realized that singular reshaping is cannot be rewarded or awarded to the fish. Um, so, <laughs> so even better, because if the fish is my only surviving fighter, and the only way he has to void curse the fish is singular reshaping, it's not going to work. And I'm just, yeah. <laughs> the fish is just going to say no reshaped realm for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that uh, is actually kind of how this round ends. Um, Sixteen. Uh, so game one and sixteen thirteen in my favor. Really close game. Could be anybody's game. Um, but in round three, I dunk the fish into a lethal early, hold it, and I remember because. Uh, I believe I was down to like one or two fighters at this point in time. So, I, you know, it's probably at the end of the second uh, round that I'm dumping the fish. So, so I, you know, actually not too early. Um, so it's it's offering me charged out. I'm able to get the fish off the board. Um, and I don't think it's suspicious at that point in time is it, kind of the point I'm trying to drive home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forgo a power phase. So it must have been. It must have been, I think I had, oh, I had the dunk prepped. That's what it was. I had the dunk prepped um, from the previous round. Um, and I, I dunk it in and like I leave it off the board for a minute. Um, and then we get to like his end of his third. And I put the shoal token as far away from the scramble as possible in the corner of the mm-hmm. map. And as I place that, he looks at me and he goes, that's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> and that was uh that phrase um uh, from him it was just we both knew what was happening and it it just made me giggle because um then uh sure enough you know i'm able to just place the fish over there and he, he reveals you know i would have scored four off of reshape realm and that would that would have been the game right mm. um so that was game one extremely close um game two uh, and and I'm, I'm sorry for, for not being able to fill in the details uh, better there for such a close game because uh, George is an incredible player uh, and, and did uh, really well to like keep that game um, heated and, and close. Um, like it, it definitely wasn't just always in my favor. Um, and then game two, um, this game I um, create a I longboard it. So I'm actually given um, the choice here. And I decided to longboard it because I'm going to create only two spots where he can um, look for corruption in no one's territory, right? So the chances of him corrupting in no one's territory are really low. Uh, mm-hmm. And the chances of, um, like, th- then I get to play a game of, like, go into his territory, kill him, and, like, try to, ki- like, pull anybody out um, or, or ignore them, you know, if they're running over the line into my territory. So uh, it's kind of like, a little bit of prevention and a little bit of if they slip by, they're, they're going to have to take time to run back. Um, right. And uh, I don't believe this ends with a token in no one's territory either. So like perfect setup uh, for, for me for game two. Um, and then um, this, this is one of those games where you, you have them. Uh, I think 
when you play, you know, this many games in a day, this is the one game in the day where the dice just kept working for me. Um, so this game actually ends, uh, 20 and 10. And I remember one of like one of the key moments from this game is cause no one's territory kind of ends up being this, um, when you're in a long board, you have two hexes from your territory and their territory that are touching each other and no, no yeah. one's territory in between. And we had a moment going into round two where Rabidius was in my territory just over and mm-hmm. he was hugging Elethane just inside of his territory, right? Um, And so I actually start round two off with an attack against Rubidius to set up Carpapath. And then Rubidius, um, like, runs further into my territory to uh, address somebody I have over there or get away from me. I I don't 100% remember, but then I run over my territory line with Elethane and kill Rubidius and score Carpapath and... George, um, you know, for a moment was like, oh, you know, that doesn't score. And I was like, actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that first attack, uh, like you were in your my territory. I was in yours. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> 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 um, so that, that was that was kind of a little little fun moment where it was just like uh, everything's so wedged together there. And like we literally have two fighters hugging, um, you know, in different territories and not no one's territory. Um, yeah. So, so that was that was interesting, but um, uh, a fantastic set to to end the day. Um, we were both so burnt out. Five best of threes is, is a marathon, um, yeah. and we were both, um, you know, just just ready for the day to be over. But um, having, I, I think, we're both happy to have had a chance to have. Um, finally got to play each other we we hadn't been able to online before before that point so yeah i think that kind awesome. of that kind of wraps me up it's uh quite the murderer's row you went through there yeah i know yeah. and i i come out 4-1 victorious <laughs> in that regard i wanted to i wanted to crack top crack top eight that was uh i had two goals i had uh crack top top eight uh and be the best soul right there um th- those are my my two goals and um, this, this allowed me to do it. Um, yeah, there was another soul raid hot in your heels as well. So. I know uh, yeah. the only other one there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bobby, how did you, you were, uh, what two, one and one going into the last round Two one and one. I sat across from my opponent and he places down sepulchral guard. Oh, and <laughs> I was sad because <laughs> I didn't want to play any horde war bands, but here we are. Yeah. Um, and he sat down. And he's like, "Oh, you're three and one." And I was like, "Well, technically, I'm two one and one." But it turns out that Trace and I, the game was so close, I literally beat him by one glory differential, yeah, which put me in that bracket, I guess, to play the three and uh. one player. Uh, so I sat at the table with him. Uh, he goes down uh, with several guard, sepulchral guard, and fearsome fortress. So I'm like, "All right, this is going to be a bloodbath." Um, we start off in a triangle formation for him because i give him objectives and i have boards and i'm i'm thinking like there's no way that this guy doesn't have like a bunch of hold objective stuff right um so i'm like i gotta find ways to keep him off of there and luckily most of that warband is squishy so i'm running around just bopping people uh mm-hmm. tooth dagger immediately takes out uh one of the petitioners um inspires my um leader in game one 
he runs up. He's like shooting spells. Got three dice now with supports. He's crushing, uh, crushing uh, petitioners left, right, and center. Um, but game one was an absolute wash, simply because my dice were absurd. I think <laughs> I don't think I rolled a single dice that wasn't a crit in the first wow. in the first round. All Every right. single dice I threw was a crit. Um, and he was at this point a little frustrated, which I get it, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. dice, dice be dice, man. And he wasn't saving anything. Uh, his dice were really cold, especially after a day of games. Exactly. Right? And you run into your last game and your dice are super cold while your opponents are like white hot. Like this is easily the hottest my dice have been all day. So I felt a little bad. I was telling him, I'm sorry. You know, uh, we get to round two and he's like, Hey, can we just, can we scoop? Uh, let's let's just jump into ground two. I'd like to try and potentially pay, play to get you to around three. So I'm like, mm. understandable. I get it. Um, on my part, it's probably an error being my first ever tournament, my first ever you know convention where I don't call over uh, a judge at this point to kind of get help scoring what I could potentially score with the scoop. Um, right. And we because at this point, glory differential does matter, and this is something that I talked with the guys about after. Uh, well, lessons are kind of taken away, you know, like things are learned as we go. And yeah. for the first event, I'm fine with it. Um, but we scoop game one and jump into game two. Game uh, game one was 18 to four for me by the end of round two. Mm, uh, wow. It was a bloodbath for me. Uh, so round two starts and he gets a little bit. The dice get a little bit warmer for him. Uh, mine cool off a little bit, but they're still pretty hot. Um, this time... Um, I'm objectives. I still managed to somehow give him a pretty decent setup on objectives. And I was kind of kicking myself about that. Um, and he's doing some move mechanics with these guys. I don't know fully how this, this war band works. All I know is horde guys get to move a lot <laughs> and, and I get to see that a lot. Um, so he's doing a lot of things to, he actually took wallop, I think out of action pretty early. Um, and this is the only time where war paint ward has actually failed for me in the event. Uh, was, oh, was in the final game. I literally, every single match that man. I played, I scored war, or war paint ward has saved me to some extent in every other match outside of here. That is, so wallop set of action round two starts or is near ending here. And my favorite interaction for my, my deck and my cards happens. Um, I actually love this combo so much. So I was fully charged out and I, because I scored roll off, I wanted final say, cause I know he has objective stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I let him, uh, go ahead, do his thing. He jumps for his last activation. He jumps on a bunch of objectives. So I'm like, okay, I need to do something. I'm fully charged out. My hand is pretty great, but at the moment doesn't score. I only have one out of action, but I'm holding smash him, um, which needs at least two for me to have and for me to have primacy. Um, I'm ha I holding um, I have Gorka Morka for hold one objective with my leader while I have primacy. And the other is um, Hunt the World Spirit for hold two while I hold primacy. Mm -hmm. So my favorite interaction here, I'm fully charged out. I'm looking at my cards and I have like the perfect mash, mismatch, mishmash of cards here. I play Primal Cunning, which allows me to push my any fighter three hexes, but I have to give the primacy to my opponent. So I choose to do that simply because I want Headcracker to be on an objective so I can score um, both Hunt the World Spirit and... Um, I have Gorka Morka because Daco's on, on the side already holding the objective. So I'm like, right. great. 
So I want to get up close because I had determined push in my hand. So I, I do that, get up there. Um, he's got the primacy now, but I also hold Prime of Brutality. My leader isn't inspired at this point, so I'm not doing enough to take out the prince. That's who, the best feeling. Who playing, I could reach. <laughs> playing Mad Mob. When you have Primal Brutality in hand and you can get that, like, I'm going to hand you the primacy token, right? Because I've yeah. already earned it a different way. Um, so I'm going to get this glorious, you know, push three, and I know I'm going to have it back. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So push three, give him the token. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm here. I'm doing two damage now. I pull the uh, the primacy back from him with primal brutality. Oh, by the way, I'm inspiring my leader. Uh, he can now do three damage, which is enough to take the prince out, who's holding the objective I could reach. Um, and then I had determined push in my hand as well, which pushed me onto that objective. Wow. And wow. that, that whole perfect combination, like perfect harmony uh, of cards to have happen for me right there, scored me a huge hand at the end. One for yeah. the kill, two for smash him, two for hunt the world spirit, one for I, Gork and Work, and one for Primacy. And wow. after that, wow. he was kind of, he's like, hey, I'm scooping game two. We're done here. Okay. So, and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how it ended. On top of being huge for you, it probably bricked bricked oh, out a lot of what he had yeah he said you yeah. completely ruined my scoring hand I, I don't score anything he said i i'd like to kind of stop here so i was like i totally understand you know sorry about the dice they were rude um but yeah that was easily my favorite interaction of all my cards kind of like coming together right at the end there yeah uh, to to really have a satisfying end to my tournament my first ever wow well uh, nicely done yeah three one and one and a four and one mm-hmm very, was. very well representing yeah and uh and it sounds like you know great uh great wins and losses uh throughout the day so absolutely we actually had another person there it was brian brian couldn't be on the episode uh tonight um he is traveling the world uh even more so but he did share some thoughts Scott, did you want to uh share that yeah absolutely um so uh, Brian enjoyed himself uh, thoroughly, um, and, and I'm going to uh, re- read what he wrote. He he gave us a statement. He is, he is off in um, Italy right now on his honeymoon. Um, so uh, it was funny. He went to Nova uh, with me, uh, and then we arrived back on Monday, Labor Day. He has a shift, and I ask him, why the hell does he have a shift? And he says... Um, uh, like holiday holiday pay baby <laughs> oh boy <laughs> and then the next day leaves for italy with his wife <laughs> anyway Ooh, uh, uh the the blurb that we got from brian uh cannot overstate how much fun it was to see and speak with everyone thrilled we went and hope my wife will let me abandon her on her birthday again in the future. Oh, man. Oh, by the way, <laughs> blurb halt here. Yes, uh, his wife's birthday um, is uh, also over, like, the Nova <laughs> dates. <laughs> so he made sure she had a nice birthday celebration in advance. And then onto a plane he went. Um, uh, but resuming uh, his blurb here. Uh, excited to see the future of the con grow at this new venue. Uh, I took Ephilim because chaos and gorgeous models. Uh, my goal was to play well, but more importantly, to be a fun opponent. Uh, overall, proud of my performance as an opponent. Uh, as a player, it was evident I needed uh, practice playing faster and greater 
card pool comprehension to deny my opponent's objectives. Um, so to add in there, uh, briefly, uh, we had both gone into Nova with uh, lower expectations than I think Nova deserved. Uh, and that was because we just kind of always heard that it was small and that it didn't live up to Adepticon. Um, and uh, Brian made um, a message to me at one point, like, this this is comparable to Adepticon. Like, this this holds up. It's, it's not scaled to that size yet, but the magic is there. The events are there. Um, GW is there. Like, um, it it really holds its own uh, as an event and, and both of us would strongly recommend going. We clearly both uh, want to find a way to go again, uh, maybe potentially next year. We'll see. Um, and I know a takeaway for him was that um, he felt there were, there were cards played against him. Uh, like focal point was an example of cards that were scored against him that he felt um, if he w- had poured a little bit more, um, like investment into understanding the the cards that others are scoring instead of kind of focusing on um, Ephilim um, and kind of the advantages, you know, that she has to offer. He kind of felt like I've, I've kind of had an advantage over the competition uh, where like I haven't had to think about counterplay as much as I mm. used to. And that is something that I know hooked him into this game. He used to love and still does. Like it's not used to. Um, like uh, that used to be the hook for him was, you know, trying to figure out what objectives were your opponents were trying to score, counter those while, while you know going towards your game plan. And he felt he was not as prepared going into Nova mm-hmm. in that aspect and was kind of sleeping on that aspect of the game. And this has really brought that back to life for him, where um, he is almost almost happy uh, with like. Uh, getting Ephilim only only to that 10th place because that meant there were that many people in the event that were um, ready with a game plan to take them down, um, mm. ready to counter them. And he's like, I need to, I need to, you know, step back up to that level mm-hmm. of play that um, uh, you can really do in this game and that I love that you can do in That's this great. game. So I love that take. Perfect. Gentlemen, any last thoughts before we wrap this episode up there was one interaction i just wanted to highlight with uh okay with mark it was so funny um we were sitting down to play our games uh so mark, mark again is bacon born and somebody asked him about gnarl spirit pack um behind him and i chimed in and i was like yeah i was like uh what gives i had to play you know them last round <laughs> like because uh, I, I i had kind of um uh, understood from the commentary that was coming his way that he had not faced Gnarl Spirit Pack uh, mm-hmm. yet. Uh, and he responded to both of us with, keep them away from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Very enjoyable mo- <laughs> moment. Um, and I, awesome. I, I do believe he he uh, is able to dodge them uh, the entire event. I think that would have been a, a hairy matchup for him, but not, not one that he uh, couldn't potentially overcome. Yeah. I am just glad that I didn't see that anyone was playing Black Powder and then had to end oh. up going back to playing original Black Powder. Three beta Black Powder. <laughs> I, I oh, might have just gone home if somebody told me that, like, oh, by the way, your warband is basically unplayable now. Yeah, I would hope 
that that person would uh, have messaged in advance and said, hey, I live in beta rules. Those are in effect, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right, right, right. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but but uh, outside of that, you know, if, if your scenario happened, yeah, my heart would break. <laughs> yeah, rough. Well, uh, we we cannot go on much longer because we don't want to risk uh, putting out a longer episode about Nova than uh, than Battle Mallet since it's their marquee thing. We, we got to let them own that. At the time of recording, there is not yet a <clears throat> uh, Path to Glory episode, but I anticipate there will be one before I, too I would much think longer. So. Um, you, you can't win the event uh, and then not, not talk about it, right? Uh, I don't know if that'll come as an episode or if that'll come as a article or perhaps both, but whatever they do, um, sounds good. Uh, you can get in touch with us on our discord. I try to always have a link to the discord in our show notes. Uh, you can check out further content from our network on the mortal realms.com. Uh, that can include the underworld stuff where, uh, we talk about new releases, uh, and such, um, and, uh, other back episodes. We thank the mortal realms network, uh, for having us on there. And then, uh, also, uh, thanks to, thanks to our patrons and thanks to the folks who show up. Um, I, I know I've said this before, but when you drop into the discord and say you're there for underworlds and what the heck's it uh, warms our hearts. It's always exciting to see, uh, people coming in from that. Uh, Coming up, we are still uh, somewhere on the horizon. We will be doing an episode about uh, the eventual rotation as we are presuming it may be uh, just a, a half season if uh, just Harrowdeep goes away. Um, but uh, we're looking for cards that you are uh, happy to see go or sad to see go or uh, some such. Um, but uh, take a look at what might be rotating out of the Harrowdeep universals and let us know. Uh, which ones, which ones had an impact on you one way or another? Uh, I do have a flavor text quiz and I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys know. So you ready for your first one here, Bobby? Oh, I am. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give a, a couple clues on the way in. It is, it is themed towards, uh, what I took to be your overall theme of, uh, this event. It is a card that is currently legal in, uh, nemesis and championship uh, it is a gambit all right this is a quote uh, attributed to nobody sadists and murderers will find kindred spirits in the nova sorry in the narwood i love that slip <laughs> in the narwood you said this is a gambit it's a gambit hmm. currently legal sadists yeah, I I don't know that the quote is. Uh, I'm I'm picking it more for the uh, the name than for it being all that all that grabbable. Uh, your your key piece here is uh, kindred spirits. I would say. Ooh, is it from Be- a, is it from Beastbound Assault? It is from Beastbound Assault. Ooh, I narrowed it down, guys. <laughs> it doesn't help me a lot. You're up. <laughs> yep, me either. I won't lie. All right, this is. Uh, Blossoming friendship is ah, what it is. So. Perfect. <laughs> <Tip that. laughs> uh, and on that same note, uh, your recommended listening is from Francis in the Lights. It's Friends. Um, a uh, cool track with some good guest spots on there. Uh, that's going to do it for us. For what the heck's? I've been Davey. This is Phil. I've been Skyler. I've been Bobby. 
no. You got to save those jibes for when we're recording. <laughs> yeah. That's just lost material now. Listeners uh, not listening after attacks, the credit, just, just imagine. Yeah, right. Just imagine a really hilarious prank that Skyler pulled. You can fill in the blanks yourself. hey New box set, which I, for some reason, think something gorge, death gorge. Death gorge. And death it gorge. is death gorgeous. <laughs> All right, save it well, for the save it for the content. Hey, hey. <laughs> keep those beauties for, for the content. Yeah. For the content, save a little ammunition. All uh, right, yeah. All right. Oh, we haven't been recording. Just kidding. <laughs> I would die. Yeah. <laughs> All right, start it from the top, boys. Really yep. All right, I can't, I can't do off. two scrapped episodes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> All right, R.I.P. Skyler. Oh man. All right, I'm hitting stop.